George would have remained an experimental filmmaker if it had not been for graffiti leading to Star Wars. He's always vowed he would never return to Star Wars. The great irony is that Lucas is the only new Hollywood director who succeeded in establishing his financial independence from Hollywood. The only one who is in the position to do whatever he wants, and yet he's imprisoned by the very Hollywood films, the Star Wars trilogy, whose success gave him that independence in the first place. Lucas used to regard his career as a failure. He had a fantasy that when he died, God would look down on him and say, You've had your chance, and you blew it. Get out. Now he's reconciled to spending the rest of his life churning out Star Wars prequels, tending the pee at the bottom of the inverted Lucasfilm pyramid, as Marsha puts it. When Darth Vader begs Luke to serve the Empire and join the dark side at the end of The Empire Strikes Back, saying, It's your destiny, Luke defies him, taking a risky plunge into nowhere. But real life is different. When Lucas's self-created empire begged the producer-director to serve it, he gave in. It took a long time for me to adjust to Star Wars, he says bemusedly. I finally did, and I'm going to, and I'm going back to it. Star Wars is my destiny. Is that from that book? Yep, that's from Raging Bulls, Easy or Easy Riders, Raging Bulls. So, that's to set the table for folks. It's the Macaw Podcast Universe. It's the podcast that exists to prove people wrong when they say, huh? Sequels are never better than the originals. And we are covering the franchise known as Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Now, we've previously covered A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and now we've caught up to the year of 1999 when maybe the most anticipated movie ever up to that point... Mm-hmm. comes out mm-hmm. a movie called the phantom menace star wars episode one the phantom menace and that's what we're here to talk about this is another peeling back of the layer of george lucas who is this man he's got to be one of the most fascinating directors of american history yep and let's begin our discussion on it. <laughs> it's very formal i know uh my name's micah mccaw my name's jordan mccaw we're married. Yep. To each other. Yep. And um, tell me about the first time you saw this movie and your experience with this movie. So I'm assuming that I, st- I'm not sure if I had seen this one in theaters. It's entirely possible we were about. We'd have been six. Six when it came out. So I could have. Um, I'm not sure though. Uh, but growing up. Or I guess a- we would have been five. Depending uh, on the month. Yeah. Well, it came out in May, so yeah. I just feel like that's a little too young. Yeah. Um, in terms of like holding a kid, holding having their interest held. Yeah. To in some degree, but I have fond. I I look on the prequels fondly, and I feel fortunate because of the age I was when it came out. Like yes, a kid could like it. I love Jar Jar Binks. He was my favorite character. I yeah. played him. And he 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 could do no wrong. Uh-huh. He looked cool. He talked funny, and he provided all the laughs. Okie day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Next time, cough right into the mic. Yeah, I'll do that next time. <laughs> um, into the mic. Yeah, into the <laughs> <Okay>. mic. <laughs> so yeah, I I just remember liking them. Uh huh. So then, but I've grown up. Yeah. And I. And uh, I still think about them fondly. 
until I watch them. Uh huh. And are you know rose colored glasses? You know life life's been hard. Uh-huh. And I got a couple uh-huh. miles on me, yeah. <laughs> and uh, can't see things so rose rosy anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's you. Yeah. So for me, I remember seeing this in theaters. Okay. And I know I've told you this story, but I'm going to tell the audience. I think, I guess if I'm five, you go to school when you're five, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I was picked up. I must have been in kindergarten or pre-K or something. Yeah. And so I was picked up with, from, with, uh, with my dad, and he picked me and my sister up from school. And my dad's sister, my Aunt Ruth, was there. And we drove kind of to where the theater's at, and he's like, oh, Aunt Ruth has to go get, like, something. We, we can just wait in the car. And she leaves. She's gone for a little bit, and we're just waiting in the car, and then she comes back. I, I'm not sure what the switcheroo was supposed to be, but basically she then presented, wow, look, guys, we have tickets. Mm-hmm. And we went and we saw the movie, and we all left the theater like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. like, wow this is this is it i mean this is amazing and then you know over the years just watching it over and over and over Mm -hmm. and then you know you start hearing things because when when you're five there's not a lot of things that are bad that you watch i would say nothing unless it's a scary movie and it gives you nightmares yeah yeah um but so basically it's like okay this is um this is great i love this and then as I'm getting older, you hear it like joked about a lot and how Jar Jar Binks stinks and then how the prequels are not good movies and stuff. And then I would go back and I'd watch them and I'd go, okay, I do kind of see it, but I kind of still like these or I like, I'll just speak to Phantom Menace right now. I kind of like this. And then, I, you know, it would continually be that thing. And then I remember when we were, I heard on, on Blank Check when they first started that show, um... One of the things they talked about is how when you sit down to watch The Phantom Menace, there, there's this kind of feeling of like, this time I'm going to get it. Like this time I'm going to crack the code and everyone else missed it. And I'm going to be able to go, actually, this is why this movie is secretly a masterpiece. And every time I sit down to watch the movie, that is how I feel. I felt validated when I heard that. And even this time I was like, this is the time I'm going to I am going to get it this time. And I think I got it, but in a much different way than I was expecting. So um, I was texting one of our one of our beloved fans and patrons, Mike Combs, the biggest Star Wars fans I, fan I know, and I said to him, I, "It seems like a Yoda quote." I said, "I was young enough to love it. Now I'm old enough to hate it." <laughs> That's pretty accurate. I would. I would, that's me too. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, cause I remember you and I watched these movies in anticipation of, uh, The Force Awakens coming out. Yeah. I don't remember it like that. I remember us dating when we watched the Star Wars movies. And we oh, did maybe, not start dating until the night we saw Force Awakens, which we'll talk about when we get there. Uh, maybe, maybe it was like Rogue One then or something like the following year. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, this is bad. But I think I still kind of liked it. And I, yeah, me too. The the last viewing that I had of all of Star Wars, I was like, it's so clear to me that Attack of the Clones is way worse than Phantom Menace. 
So, you know, I mean, now I have no idea. Oh, same. But last night when we were watching the movie, I'm going, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And I mean, I I actually went to bed kind of sad last night because I think fully the nostalgia goggles were pulled off of my eyes and I, I couldn't overlook how poorly made this movie is. Now, there's a lot of things that are not poorly made about the movie, and I'm going to get into it. I, believe me, I'm going to be very fair about this. I will say, too, the, no, the, the most disappointing thing out of all of it, yeah. really, and I think if this alone was better, all of the other stuff we wouldn't be as upset about. Yeah. The writing. It yeah. sucks. The writing's very the bad. The story is so boring. Uh-huh. And it makes no sense because who goes to a movie to try and understand why some war is breaking out because of trade tariffs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep, well, keep talking because I... I don't... There's not much else to say. It's just really boring. And I don't know. So the movie's opening crawl is is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this was the first time that I really understood how crazy it was because when i was a kid i saw this opening crawl and i thought what does this mean dad kind of thing but this time i was looking at it and after just re-watching the original trilogy and feeling really good about those movies again not that i ever felt bad about them but you know just having a fun time discussing them with you and stuff i was going oh man yeah and and i could imagine being in the theater if i was like a 20 year old or even a 30-year-old or something, and just being like, oh no, what am I about to watch? Because it goes like this. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. Okay. We're good with that. And then it says, the taxation of trade routes to outlying star system is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo, while the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events. The Supreme Chancellor... Oh, has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy, to settle the conflict. I don't I don't care. <laughs> I know. It's just kind of writing on the wall. It, yeah. It, on the skies, I guess. Across the galaxy. Because the it it is it's just very indicative of what you were about to watch. Yeah. And we watched uh, a little documentary of the making of the movie prior to watching it. And I, mm-hmm. I had never seen it and it actually made the movie worse. Unfortunately, uh, did not put me in potentially a mood to watch it. Cause it's kind of a bummer just to, just to see at one point them watching the rough cut and George saying, I think we might've gone too far <laughs> and like other people saying like, it just jumps so fast and like, it's so like, rough and i know it was the rough cut but you watch the movie and it's like i don't know it's still like 15 seconds here 30 seconds there maybe a minute here back to 15 seconds over there that was the thing that i noticed for the first time watching this that because i've always viewed this as like this is the kind of boring one you know it's a lot of exposition trade federations taxation but this movie moves at such a pace on a um like, it's still a boring movie, but the pace of the scenes is so fast, it's, it's, it is like, 
they're dunking you in cold, like different temperature water really quick and not allowing your body to adjust. And you can just tell that no one knows what's happening. Like the actors don't oh. know what's happening and you can tell. You really can. And in the documentary, probably the worst that there were two worst parts about it. Uh-huh. One was watching Jake Lloyd sign his death certificate. Yes. Uh, p- just poor kid. Poor yeah. kid. And then uh, basically watching Ahmed Bess could do a very similar thing. Yeah. The the I mean, both of them acting their hearts out. They're in a Star Wars movie. How exciting is that? And they're both so jazzed they're to be there. They're both so excited. And to have one of them do this whole outfit thing act in the whole movie like that but then start doing a tiny bit of motion capturing thing to turn into he's completely removed from the whole movie yeah and like cgi'd over and it's just a it's a travesty yeah i i mean so in case you were unaware like jake lloyd has had a pretty tough life since then yeah um and, you know, I think he's been in and out of jail a few times, and and I've I've heard that you know he he was very much um, like made fun of throughout his mm-hmm. life, but very aggressively, mm-hmm. um, which is not something we we shouldn't be attacking people for having bad performances. You know, some you know we make fun of people on this podcast sometimes, but I I don't actually wish them harm. But no. these these are the kind of things where where fans are sending like death threats and stuff like that. And it, it it's not just like it's not happened ever again in the series because is it Kelly Tran? Kelly Marie Tran, yeah. Kelly Marie Tran who's in uh The Last Jedi. Yeah. She like had to get off she got like off social media, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She completely left. She was getting death threats. Because she was getting death threats cuz people suck. Yeah. And, and she's and, just acting. And I like that character. Yeah. And Ahmed Best, I mean, he has said publicly that he he was v- suicidal for a period in his life uh-huh. because of his association of being Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Um, now, it's not to say we're not going to criticize those two performances. Um, although... I don't really have anything to criticize Jar Jar Binks-wise in terms of performance. Yeah, I think... I think actually it's a weird distinction, but I think Ahmed Best is doing what he's being asked to do yeah. and going ham. Yeah. It's just not a good character no. and it's really poorly written. And I would say the character of Anakin is also poorly written. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I do think the performance the performance is just a kid actor. I mean, and, and there's nothing much more special than that. And a bad kid actor at that. It, I mean, it's worse. It, it's like, uh, it feels like we're watching Mac and Me or something. Huh? It, that's the movie that Paul Rudd did that clip from. Oh, but I, I've okay, seen some other okay. clips from that movie, oh, and it, okay. it's very, you know, like a direct to yeah. VHS kind of movie. That I mean, that's that that performance. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Any more on or any more on those before we dive in? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how it was made. So if we'll recall, or if you're just now joining us in the series, George Lucas has been on a 22-year directing hiatus because he directed Star Wars in 1977, and then he did not direct any of the other Star Wars movies until The Phantom Menace. And by the 90s, with, you know, Lucasfilm, the invention, their, their work with Pixar... And selling that company and and pushing sound and visuals, he's beginning to feel like, you know what? 
those prequels could be made now. Like, uh, the technology's gone far enough, which leads him to first do the special editions, kind of as a warm-up to like, okay, now let's do the prequels. So in 1993, Variety reports that he ha- he's working on it. Wow. Um, but the technical date is he began writing the series on November 1st, 1994. Okay. A day which will live in infamy. Yeah. Um, so then once they get things going. I was just born. Yeah, that's true. Not even a year old. Yeah. <laughs> um, once they get stuff going, I, so I want to point out some of the things that that really spoke to me in the documentary we watched, which if you'd like to watch it, it's called um, Making the Beginning Star Wars, Episode 1, or, or something to that effect. It's like an hour and nine minutes or so. If you like fly-on-the-wall footage documentaries where you're just seeing what is happening and people are not like, there's no talking heads or anything, absolute must-watch. One of my favorite documentaries ever. Um, so there's a scene when they're getting started and they have this whole wall of note cards and they're storyboarding the movie and George Lucas grabs a green marker and a pink marker. And I don't remember which is which, but he's going through every single shot that they have that they're planning and he's marking, okay, this part's real, this part's fake, this part's real, this part's fake. And the cameraman is catching the producers, and I, I think they have one of the visual effects persons there. Probably the, the head of it. And they're they're in shock with what they're seeing. And they are like, oh no. Because basically, things like getting Jar Jar to be full CG and stuff, this is technology that doesn't exist yet mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, and And this is the weird dichotomy with this movie is I don't know if there's another more hated movie that also has influenced Hollywood more uh-huh. because this movie really opens. I almost said pan's labyrinth. Um, pan's Pandora's box. Oh, okay. <laughs> because every movie after this uses all the techniques that like this started. Mm-hmm. It's like star Wars kind of kickstarted all this. And then Phantom Menace is like, let's take this to CG land. Mm hmm. And these movies get a lot of flack for their use of CG. I actually push against that a little bit. Because, yes, they're CG, and some of it's bad. But when we think about George Lucas and the fact that he likes technicalities more than he likes characters and stuff, he is pushing He's pushing the boundaries. We don't know what digital effects are supposed to look like and stuff. Like, he is... Him and his team are are pushing it forward decades mm-hmm. by making this movie and the next two movies. In hindsight, it, you know, it's sort of like pretty much any invention where it's like, man, if I'd have known this would happen, maybe I shouldn't have invented it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of things, even outside of movies, people probably feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't really, I feel like that's kind of a boring argument about the prequels these days of being oh, yeah, like, there's I mean- too much CGI. It's like, yeah. But we also didn't know what too much CGI was yet. There was yet. always going to be whatever was the new cutting-edge thing and whatever could push the boundaries. That mm-hmm. was going to be in it, uh, technic- technical-wise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it does kind of stink because now, even with Marvel, which we love, it's like, 
most of the time, like the main characters don't even wear costumes. They just wear a little suit that tracks it. And sometimes it's really obvious that they're not wearing costumes. Yeah. Sometimes I have no idea. So it's like, it's cool and it also sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's also a moment before they begin filming where George Lucas says, Jar Jar is the key to all of this. And he says, if we get him to work, then, I, and he's even saying like the kids are going to love him. And then I think with all of that, he put too much pressure on that. Yeah. On that character um, who at one point has nothing to do. Well, <laughs> actually, most of the movie has nothing to do. But, but I understand it's he's silly. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I definitely think too much importance was put on a, yeah. a minor character. Well, you know, Lucas grew up in the 50s. And he I'm sure he grew up w- watching movies like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton. You know, those silent comic types. And I think that Jar Jar is him doing that. It's him doing that plus Looney Tunes. And he's just like, can we do this? But the problem is nothing Jar Jar does is actually funny, mm-hmm. for one. And then for two, it's... Well, it was as a kid. <laughs> so, right, I mean, right. He, 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 speaking from my own experience, he nailed it. Right. But... Uh, yeah i think you have to i mean i understand that when you're making a movie uh this far after the originals like you want to you know you're gonna get back your original audience but you also want to inspire new fans yeah so i understand having an element for kids because it's gonna it's a big kids movie because it's uh, a sci-fi fantasy that is kid friendly yeah but also you got to be careful because Everyone who loves the the other ones who are now adults or even older adults, they also want a good movie too. Well, and that's the whole like reboot problem sometimes. Yeah. where where we go, it's like who's the movie for? Right, and and I, uh, you know, I have not seen the new Ghostbusters. I've only seen Ghostbusters one, but what I saw from the trailers seemed weird to me because I understood Ghostbusters to be a comedy. And just, like, a silly movie. And that's what I thought that it was. And it was weird that, like, now the people who have grown up watching Ghostbusters and Ivan or Jason Reitman, who grew up on the set, like, are old enough that they don't see it as, like, a comedy. They see it as, like, a serious part of who they are as people. And I'm not necessarily saying that's bad, but it, it is kind of like, huh, that's kind of weird that, like, a Ghostbusters movie, at least from the trailers, is, like, devoid of any humor. And it's like a serious movie is what it looked like to me. Yeah. And and that's like the rub. It's like, who was that movie made for? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Did great at the box office. So I guess it was made for a lot of people. I bet but the movie's got a lot of jokes in it. I'm sure it does. But it was it, at least the advertising was a strange yeah. approach I found. But I think it kind of is that it was a superhero trailer. <sighs> that's a good point. Should we tell them about our experience yesterday? Do you want to we tell saw him? the Lost City starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Yeah, and there Brad were Pitt. <laughs> yeah, there were a million trailers. Yeah, please calm down about that. But <laughs> it's just interesting. It's not that interesting. I don't know. Most movies, most movie trailers these days are superhero trailers, whether or not this is a superhero movie. There's yeah. like a template now. Well, actually, I think there's been a template for years. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But but it's just gotten to a point where it's just like all of these movies look the same. And, and it, to a to a degree. Yeah. Some and we look- even we even like some of them. Yeah. But it is it is weird like like when the Sonic 2 trailer was played, I was like Huh. I mean, I I didn't see Sonic 1. I I don't really have an interest in watching those movies. Mm -hmm. I'm not against them. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of like, oh, okay, so he's like the Superman of his world, and now he has sidekicks, and like the Fast and Furious movies are like that now, even though they didn't start that way. They're superheroes. Uh, What was there was another trailer? Oh, like Fantastic Fantastic Beasts feels like that. Maybe superhero isn't the right word, but maybe I mean it's just this is what blockbuster trailers have become. And and I think movies. It's like they all kind of have the the template. But think about how many blockbuster trailers we saw. Yeah. And they were most, all like that. Most yeah. of them were blockbusters. Right. Which is like why you go to a theater these days. Like right. like a, yeah. a general audience. Yeah. Yeah, there was only two movies that that didn't really follow that format and that was Downton Abbey 2. Mm-hmm. And where the crawdads sing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sidebar over. And by now, that's like two or three months ago. People are going to so be like, boring. "What?" Um, so yeah, back to this movie. Um, Lucas talks about in that doc how like this movie's—it's it, all supposed to be poetry. Everything's supposed to rhyme. No. Nope. So like, I, I I know what he's saying. He doesn't necessarily accomplish it. But it's like Anakin is 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 similar to Luke, but we're supposed to see him as Luke is the good part and he conquered, whereas Anakin ultimately falls. And and this prequel series is supposed to be the tragedy of Darth Vader. But if you're gonna do the tragedy of Darth Vader, you gotta be a better director for actors. That's that's like maybe the number one problem. Because George Lucas is not a good acting director. Oh. He's he's been said like I think the two phrases he usually says is, um, say it faster or say it slower or say who, it more intense. Who was the best performance out of this movie? That's um, probably Sebulba. Who's that? The the pod racing guy. Oh, who okay. he beats. Yeah. Um, I actually really like that character. <laughs> yeah, no, Sebulba's cool. Yeah, so another thing is I've always felt like the the two things about this movie um uh, well, there's more that I've thought, but but like two that I've really hung on to performances are like, oh, Ewan McGregor's really good and Liam Neeson's amazing. Me in too. This. And then I watched it and I was like, they don't care. They're so bored. Yeah, I think I think Ewan's okay. Um, but he does nothing. He, he's well, on he a doesn't ship have much to do. Movie. And I know that he's in. He has more to do. Yeah. In, in the other movies, but uh, but to, I, to, I even yeah. read when I was doing research that like though the movie is criticized for a lot, most people like say you know like Liam Neeson really does a great job. But then those people who said it have gone back and watched the movie and are like, what was I thinking? You just want to latch on to anything. And it, oh, gosh, it was just so boring. And it was so sad in that documentary to see Ewan McGregor go into that room and then to shave off his head, his mm-hmm. hair, his beautiful, beautiful hair. No, they shave off his head. They shaved his head off. Um, yeah, it sucks. Everyone is, just seems so bored. And, and, and it's... But I... No, no one has a personality besides Jar Jar Binks. Besides, and and be, Chancellor Palpatine. Well... All of the animated characters 
yeah. have a personality. Everyone else is just a stone, a statue. Yeah. And what sucks is, so it, it's almost just like, I don't know how do because it's like actors are hired to do their job and interpret their characters, how they've read them. But the director is supposed to guide them through uh-huh. that. Yeah. So, but it's like, was he guiding? Like they were all were the same character though. I know. And what, what sucks is like the, well, I mean the, the queen Amadala. Yeah. Uh, I, she was that, so boring. That, but, that performance though, if, if the rest of the performances were not boring, it would have popped. That's what I was going to say. It would have been interesting, especially because when Padme is Padme, yeah. she's not acting like a queen. Yeah. What, cause, cause it's also like how I think about these movies is when someone's acting a certain way that's a little odd it's like oh their culture uh-huh. like th- like they would act this way because of like that tip yeah. of the oh, iceberg that's cool. I like the that. tip yeah. of the iceberg thing and i don't see the the bottom of the uh, all the other part of the iceberg i just see that that top part and it it's everything else and inf- it almost informs it, even though i don't know what those things are yeah did not work for this movie no it doesn't because everyone's the same yeah. And it sucks because they obviously put a lot of work into the visuals of right. the whole part all of the movie, especially with the uh the print or queen Amidala because she's got like some of the coolest costumes ever. They're so cool yeah. and it's such a waste. Yeah. I but I I I would I think that it's the I I really think it's the directing and writing. It's the oh, problem know, because we know these people aren't bad actors. We've seen them in but so even, many other things. Even that, like, we know they're not bad actors, yes. But also, like, seeing the behind the scenes and how invested everyone is. Like, the how excited Ewan McGregor is in the scene where he's picking out his lightsaber. Yeah. And then seeing Liam Neeson just, like, training like crazy to get down all that stuff. It's like, this is, th- these people want to be there. Yeah. Like, they, they're interested in doing this. But I think the directing and writing so bad that it just they don't really no no one's guiding them. Yeah, but it's it's so crazy. I mean, talk about you know Lucas talking about poetry. I mean, this movie has kind of the same story uh, uh, of the making of the movie that Star Wars does, where it's like we're pioneering all this new stuff. We don't know if it's going to work until it premieres in theaters. We have. I mean, this time they have established actors and stuff, and people are more excited because it's an established franchise, but he's like, I'm going back, and I'm going to do it. We're basically going to recreate 1977, 33 years later. But we're or not going to have... 32 years And I later. know like, it's, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. But I think in some ways, maybe they should have. But yeah. like, there's no Han Solo character. So there, there's, no. there's no character that is like a scummy... Uh, Winking guy. at the camera a, a little scummy, bit. A scummy, handsome man who is like out for his self-interest, but at the end of the day has a good heart. Yeah. So that that there's an interesting character. They don't got that. They just have two stoic Jedis who are so like like monks, you know? Yeah. Like they're they're just so religious in that yeah. way that they have no personality because they because they're so focused on their goal. Right. And then you have this kid who should have the most things going on but he's miscast unfortunately yeah and well and he has lines like 
And he's got terrible one, wives. The kid one day says yippee. I, he says yippee like three times. Yeah. And and he has lines like, has anyone ever been to all of those stars? I'm going to be the first one to see them all. They're so bad. And then he's like, are you an angel? I think <laughs> they're put on a little, this planet. You put a little twang on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... um. It's really a thankless task. Yeah. And 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 there was no as bad as Jake Lloyd is in this. I I don't think like a better casting would fix this movie. Yeah. It would make it maybe a little bit better, but n- not by much, I don't think, cuz it's still just like a It's so poorly written. It's not a good it, it, it was funny um one of our guests on a previous episode, Tom Lorenzo, uh, he, I follow him on Letterbox, and I looked at his thing, and he said, you know, people relitigate this movie and talk about it all the time. Here's just a couple things I noticed, and one of them that really stuck to me is he just said, "Why in the world is everything that happens with Anakin in the third act just an accident? If he's hmm. supposed to be this guy that is going to bring balance to the Force and all this stuff, how come he like accidentally gets in a ship, accidentally blows up the core, accidentally comes home?" I was like. Dang, that that's really good. I, I think that the Anakin character should have been older. Well, Not- that was another thing he said. Is He oh, said okay. he should have been older because the whole movie, the Jedi are like, this is a bad, angry kid. And you're like, I don't know, he's nine. Give him a break. And they're, they're all saying that he's too old. I don't get like, that at all. How was he too old when Luke was like a young man? Yeah. And he was able to become a Jedi. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense that you're saying this now. Yeah, it's a prequel, but I, I don't know. And then what's crazy? So what I don't understand, and I know these things are probably covered. No, I know they. I know they're covered in books. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But in the originals, we discover that Luke is a Jedi or, or has Jedi proclivities. Yes. And he is with Obi Wan Kenobi, who is a Jedi, but he's the crazy old man yeah. that lives in the town. Uh, but he was going to like take Luke under his wing, yeah, and kind of apprentice him. He becomes his apprentice. Blah blah blah. But throughout the movie, everyone's like that Jedi stuff is like old, ancient stuff. Like it's just spooky, and no one really believes yeah. in it anymore. When like thirty years prior to this, there was a whole ring of Jedi's who determined the fate of every Je- of every person containing midichlorians, and like what ha- well, what happened to them? That's a well. Well, we do see what happens to them. I know, but like, but, but no, that's a good a, point. If it's such a strong club of Jedi's, and there's this huge fight that happens in one of these movies, like who's to say that there aren't? It's a whole galaxy. Why can't there be more somewhere else? So, so uh, is is part of your point because what what I'm hearing and and something you're kind of breaking for me in in a you're smart the movie's not smart way is that because of the way they refer to Jedi's with only thirty years, it, it, you know, it'd be like us going, man, back back in the '90s, like there were people who did this thing. That's an ancient religion. I don't think anyone even knows or believes in that thing that was only thirty years oh, ago. I mean, it is like je- let's just even put it to actual religion. Let's just say thirty years from now, people are like, "Oh, that Christianity stuff. That stuff all is just folklore." Yeah, when like when it has a strong it, presence, it has a very you know centuries and centuries and centuries squared a million like history to it so so like this movie should have had like obi-wan yoda 
maybe like two or three other Jedi, but they're not. A, there's not like a council, and they're not like famous. Yeah, no one's getting around to decide if Luke should be trained or not. Yeah, it's up to two yeah. people. No, you're. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And that's that is the risk you run when you make prequels and you flesh out a world that the one of its strengths was not that it was never really fleshed out. Oh. Put that on if you are writing prequels, put that write that on your mirror every morning so that you can like do it well. That's so good, Jordan. You you actually blew my mind in this whole section. <laughs> it makes me so confused and frustrated and Well the the fun thing about a series this big, but the thing that also kind of sucks about it. Cause I was talking to Mike specifically about the Jedi Council. And I think I'll save my thoughts on it when we get there. But he was kind of saying, because he's more familiar with the extended universe and stuff. And he was explaining how some of the things that I thought were bad about it were actually like work because of all this extended material. And I am not going to. No, 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 okay. no, hang on, hang on. But what's cool, and this is like a comic book thing too, is is a creator can come along and be like, it's always bothered me that this happens, and if we just do this fix, it kind of fixes it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's fun. Mm -hmm. What I don't like is when the main series or these prequels are written so poorly that you have to have other material to make sense of anything. Or they purposely leave something out of the movie so that you have to go seek it elsewhere. When well, Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Yeah. It's just like Marvel has decades of source material yeah. And every movie is filled with an unlimited amount of references to that source material. I never feel lost in right, those movies. Right. Cuz I mean even with the bad ones, I still yeah, am not still understand lost. it. Yeah. If anything I'm I don't like it just because the story is not that great. Yeah. Personally. Well, and I, I think a lot of the things I'm going to critique in this movie, maybe there's, you know, an extended universe explanation, but George Lucas didn't have that in mind when he wrote that's, it. See, that's why I'm not interested when yeah. I bring up things where I'm like, the whole Jedi thing, I am not interested in learning about it. So don't talk to me about <laughs> it. I'm, I am pointing out, like, because we are only analyzing the movies, right. why it frustrates me. Yep. Yeah. Um, back to my notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so there's another point in the production where they're breaking down the cost and George is saying we just figure he's basically seeing how expensive this movie is going to be made by their projections and he's like well basically we just have to figure out a way to make movies different than they've ever been before and if we succeed in doing that then everyone's going to copy us and guess what he's exactly right because after this movie everyone copies them and VFX artists have one of the worst jobs in the world. Yeah. Because they are expected to do things with a limited budget and a limited amount of time. Yeah. Just like this movie. Uh-huh. Um, another thing that's crazy is, like, you know, him and his producer are producing this movie. There's not a studio that's overseen. Lucasfilm made this movie. And then 20th Century Fox distributed it. Mm-hmm. And when we were watching it, there's literally a shot where they are trying to push Ewan McGregor up onto a platform. But make it look like he he like does a Jedi jumped. jump. Yeah. And the guy, Ray Parker, the guy who plays Dar uh, Darth Maul, like walks over and helps them. And it made me just feel like this is weird because it's like the biggest budget ever 
for a movie that's actually an independent production. Crazy. Yeah. Um, there are so many special effects, but some of the sets are absolutely bonkers. Mm -hmm. The Tatooine set is crazy. Mm -hmm. They shot that in Tunisia, and then there was a huge storm that like wrecked the set in the pod They racers. said it was four months of work. Oh, destroyed. that's what they said. Oh, I think they gosh. said that in the documentary. That's crazy. Um, the movie was shot on 35 millimeter. Um, and then Attack and Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith will be shot on digital. Oh, interesting. So that this is that weird in-between time mm -hmm. where digital hasn't really caught on yet. Mm -hmm. Um the in 2015, Ron Howard said that himself. Zemeckis and Spielberg were all approached by Lucas to make the movie. To make this movie, Phantom to make Menace. the Phantom Menace. Um, Only one person I believe could have made a good movie. <laughs> which one? Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I think Zemeckis could have. Yeah, he's I think just Zemeckis he's just weird though. But this is before but his I, like but, steady decline. But I know that right he's now. a guy that's always pushing the technical boundaries as well. Yeah, and then Ron Howard just makes mediocre movies yeah well we'll talk about his entry in the know. star wars soon mediocre um, movie <laughs> I'll, hey, hey hey better than this I'm movie holding nothing back <laughs> you're getting everything today <laughs> um but basically all the directors said that it was too daunting and that he's the one who needed to make it i yeah that makes sense yeah Which i don't know how much of that is them being like no you really have a vision like go for it or them being like oh i can't I can't risk everything There's on this. There's a really funny thing at the documentary where Steven Spielberg comes to set <laughs> to like yeah. to just, you know, hang around. George is showing him around, yeah. showing him art. They're just they're both they're like best friends. So I just can't I, I can't imagine how much fun it is for them to be able to do that together. Um but it's a clone, like a model of like a life size it's a droid, or a battle droid, droid. A life size model of a battle droid. And they're looking at at it talking <laughs> yeah. about it. Steven like picks up the arm and like detaches and they're like examining the arm and then he tries <laughs> attaching the arm back and George is like oh no it's upside down <laughs> just one of those classic like someone's appreciating your art and then they say something or do something that you're like oh they didn't get it <laughs> yeah yeah within a second <laughs> it's just they did not understand <laughs> but it's also like cute it's like he's playing with toys Oh, you know? yeah, no, it's cute, but it also feels like a, a weird omen. Yeah. Um, Let's cover an actor. Okay, I yeah. I got lots. Yeah. We got to do it before my phone dies. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's hit a, a couple. So uh, we have Natalie Portman, who plays Queen Amidala and Padme. Uh, so I only, for a lot of the actors, only covered what they were in prior to this. Perfect. So she is in Leon the Professional, really good movie. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Yeah, she's great. Mars Attacks, Heat, Anywhere But Here. Okay. Couple other things, but still kind of a rising star. Yeah. Um, And then Jake Lloyd plays Anakin. So leading up to Star Wars, he was in an episode of ER. He is the kid in Jingle All the Way. Oh, that's right. Um, He's in Apollo 11, Unhook the Stars, and Host. Okay. And then Liam Neeson, uh, so he did theater before film, and he was discovered in Belfast. Whoa, like, okay. Do, doing theater. Okay. Um, and then, of course, he's in Schindler's List, Arthur the King, The Deadpool. Okay. 
not that, Deadpool. That's a Clint Eastwood the movie, Deadpool. right? Oh, I don't know. I think that's. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure that's a de- Dirty Harry movie. Oh, okay. And then he's in a production, a film production of Les Mis, among a ton of other things leading up to this movie. He's he had done a lot by then. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just do one more. So Pernilla August plays the mom, uh, Anakin's Shmi. mom, Shmi. Shmi. She is also she is in the best intentions, the investigation, glitch, and she plays the mom in Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Okay, Young Indiana Jones. Okay, so in the previous movies, we talked about how the art design was really supposed to be like a used galaxy kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Well, they took a different approach on this. Yeah, I think that's one of the strengths of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, it, it you still get it, you still get some of the of the used stuff though when we go to Tatooine. But, yeah, but yeah. but it does feel like oh, this is different. This this is a different time period. I do like that Naboo is a planet that is familiar to to anyone like it it feels like yeah most a, people have been to naboo a european city <laughs> yeah, like yeah. A, like an old european city but it's not ruins it's like thriving yeah and it had a little bit of a rivendell vibe too absolutely yeah um i do i do like that stuff and yeah. it's like it's a it's a functioning prop, prospering planet that seems to have a doing pretty well until this whole tax thing comes comes into play yeah, so um yeah, it's it's supposed to be a richer and more like a period piece since it was the history leading up to a new hope. That's mm-hmm. the quote about it. Um they made 3D animated storyboards for the previsualizations in this. Oh, to to the what? For the previs in this okay. when they're working on the movie, which is um not common at the time. Mm-hmm. That may have been the first time. I'm not sure though. Um they used air rams instead of wires for Jedi jumps. So an air ram is like a it's like a platform you stand on and it like shoots air and that sounds scary. sends you launching. Yeah, it's I don't it's safe, but it looks cool. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's safe if you do it right. They're probably still hooked up to some kind of wire. Well, yeah, probably. Um, and then I misspoke. It's Ray Park who plays Darth Maul. He was originally a stunt crew member. And Lucas and the producer Rick McCallum liked his test reel so much they gave him the role of Darth Maul. And let's see what else he's been in. X-Men. G.I. Joe. I think the newest G.I. Joe movie. Oh. Mortal Kombat. Solo. Accident Man. And a lot of action stuff. Great. Um, yeah, he he was cast as as that. And then I don't know why, but for some reason they had Peter Serafinowicz do his voice. It's great. He does a great job. Yeah. I would have I don't I don't think I knew that for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. That it was someone else's voice. And and I think but I I I can't remember for sure, but I think Ray Park didn't know that until the movie came out. Classic. Well, they have to do that in, I know, in every iteration. That's a classic. Um Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you a great fact about Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. David Prowse, who was the who played Darth Vader in physical form, uh, he, I guess he was like the Tom Holland of his day and was bad at giving away spoilers. Oh, really? So they, they, on set, he was given the line and he said the line, um, that Luke. Obi-Wan is your father to Luke when they're on the platform. No way. And then they overdubbed the real wow. thing because they didn't want to give it away. That's so funny. Yeah. Forgot to say Question that. Question about Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Do you know anything about his race? 
Yeah, um, I forget what they're called, but they're from this planet, and there's like witch girls, and um, oh, they're the video game, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and they're all like him. They look like him, basically. That's so fascinating. Please say more. The the girls don't look quite like him. <laughs> I actually, uh, yeah, I uh, very specific and lame thing, I guess. But I I think it's. I don't like that there's more than one of him, personally. Huh? I, I think it's cool oh, that he, like... Oh, you wish he wasn't his own race. Like, he was, like... Like, he, the, the dark side made him... Or, or something, because he's so striking and so intense that when I discovered there was, like, a bunch of people that look like him, I was like, oh, okay. That's not as fun for me. Okay, but he does... And that's, that's a me he thing. He is straight up a Sith, right? Yeah, uh... Well, I, don't they call him that? I think he's an apprentice. Technically. Okay, so he doesn't look messed up and weird yet because he's not full blown Sith. Uh, a Sith doesn't have to look weird. Most of them do. You have to admit that. Yeah, most of them do. Well, here's something, and I've never, and I'm sure I, Mike is pulling out his phone right now and he is texting the answer to this, but I've never understood this. In this movie, they they establish this this rule that I think is absolutely bonkers and is very stupid and just shouldn't have been established in the first place. The Jedi say when Darth Maul is killed, they go, okay, the Dar- this person is dead. So it, was it the Sith or was it the Apprentice? Yeah. And they say, there's always two, no more, no less. Yeah, I thought those were that they said no more. And so I was like, they're very, they're very small evil organizations. Uh, yeah, okay. There's only two of them. And I'm sure that there's extended material. But what the movies provide and what the movies tell us is there can only be two evil Sith living at one time at any point in time. That is what the movies tell us. Yeah. And that is so stupid. Yeah. Now, I, I know that that's not the case because there's history and there's other, you know, Sith and stuff. But that is one of the silliest things. Well, it feels like a throwaway line. Like, it just sounds epic. Yeah. You know, but George <laughs> didn't know what the F he was doing Well, the, and the, the whole time. The weird thing is that line is, like, I feel like you get there and, and it's supposed to hit you really hard. Like you're saying, this epic line. But then you're like, this wasn't established at all. Well, they should have, <laughs> they should have, like, I understand that the... The knowledge of like one, where there is one, there is always another. But no more than two. But, but if they just simply <laughs> did not say no more than two, great. I before E, except after C, Be- because, or been said like way. Because I, I do understand like, is he the Sith or the Apprentice? Uh-huh. Because where there is a Sith, there is the, uh, the other one. Yeah, stop there. But don't <laughs> stop there. <laughs> it's just so simply could have not said that. Why did they say that? Yeah. Well, it's funny too cuz like uh the yeah, the, the Jedi and Sith stuff just from what is provided in the movies is so not thought out. It's crazy. It's crazy how because, and, and um, wait, you got to stop. Okay, okay, okay. It's just crazy <laughs> in a series that it, it it's just anyone who likes world building and fantasy and all that stuff you just really got to be careful with it, all of it because it's so it's it's just you're on the on a razor sharp edge the yeah. whole time because you create a story that is usually character driven from the outset uh-huh. and it, that's where you get that fun tip of the iceberg stuff 
and a little bit of folklore stuff. But then once you decide to go deeper into it, it so easily can become so boring because it's no longer character driven. Just like this movie is not character driven because everyone's boring. And I know that Anakin is obviously supposed to be the biggest player. Yeah. But it's just poorly written. Yeah. You just got to be, you just got to like remember like who, who the story is about. Yeah. It's, it drives me wild. Well, and, and another thing that, that drives me nuts that I just thought of is in this movie, you know, Qui-Gon's like, I'll take on the boy as my Padawan learner. And they're like, that's unheard of. You cannot have two that you're teaching. And then later in the series, we'll see, and, and, you know, you could argue this one pretty easy, but it is strange that you see like rooms full of classrooms with like a uh-huh. bunch of a bunch of kids and like a, a Jedi like teaching them stuff, and then they go to like their next classroom, and I'm like, but in the first movie, you establish that it's like just one person. They don't know what they're doing. I know that's the, and I'm sure it's all clear. I'm sure that. I could be sent articles that explain all of this, but I'm just talking about the movies. But I feel like those things that explain all of those things are actually just trying to, uh, they're just trying to convince you that it makes sense. Right. Because all this started from nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just a fun fantasy movie in space. And that was it. <laughs> there was a good guy. There was a bad guy. There was some innocent kid who needed to become a man uh, but now we have a chosen one prophecy and he is christ because he is virgin born okay wait let's let's i have a few more notes um but uh i'm i'm loving your energy this is cracking me up but let me just hit you up with a with a few more um benicio del toro was cast as darth maul first Weird. uh but he left when he saw how few lines he had Oh, interesting. Uh, do you remember the Michael Jackson Jar Jar Binks story? Yes. Could you tell it? From my understanding, Michael Jackson really wanted to be in the movie. And he uh-huh. wanted, I think he even auditioned for Jar Jar. Yeah. And then... He uh, wanted to be Jar Jar Binks. He wanted to be Jar Jar Binks. So um, all that stuff happened. And then George Lucas, Natalie Portman, Ahmed Best... Because they'd worked together on Captain EO, I think. I think you're right. But uh, George Lucas, Natalie Portman, and Ahmed Best, and probably some other people from the movie, went to a Michael Jackson show concert. After the movie came out. After the... No, no, wait. No, no. no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. After the movie came out. Um, They went to one of his concerts. (laughs) And of course, Michael Jackson's like, I want to say hi to all these people. Uh Especially George Lucas, because he's worked with him and loves Star Wars. And George introduces him. This is Natalie Portman. She's going to play so-and-so. This is Ahmed Best. He's playing Jar Jar Binks. And that is how Michael Jackson found out that he did not get the part. And Ahmed Best didn't know about that. And he did not know. And he was, like, so excited to meet Michael and Jackson. And he was so excited. And, and Michael Jackson's like, oh, hi. You know, hi, hi, uh, uh, Natalie We don't have Portman. to do impressions of Michael yeah, Jackson. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> um, he's like, Natalie Portman, hi. And then he says, this is Jar Jar Binks, Ahmed Best. And he says, oh. And doesn't shake his hand or say anything to him. <laughs> just crazy. Um, okay. That's just, that's George for you. Let's ya. Cover, cover a couple more actors. Okay. I, I'm actually pretty close, just so you know. Okay. Pernilla. Oh, no, I already did it. Hugh, yeah, you talked Pernil. Hugh Corshire. He, I believe, was the, like, 
head army bodyguard dude of Queen Amidala. Oh yeah. Um, I almost said Colin Kaepernick. That's not his name. <laughs> it's uh, Captain Panaka. Panaka. <laughs> I see it. There's a pun there. Uh, he is in Highlander, Red Sparrow, Nightbreed, Breeders, Fire Ants. Wow. Uh, Terrence Stamp. Uh, he Terrence plays Stamp. the That's Chancellor. Uh, right? Yeah. Yep. He is in Last Night in Soho, The Limey, Adjustment Bureau, His Dark Materials, Wanted, and most famously to me, Haunted Mansion, <laughs> starring he, Eddie Murphy. It, uh, he, this is my joke about him, he's such an intense and crazy looking person, I love how he looks, that they just decided, let's just have him show up on set and film him exactly the way he looks. Yeah, I know, seriously, <laughs> I don't think they gave him a haircut. Um, and then Ahmed Best plays Jar Jar Binks. What? Um, he is also in Lean on Me. He has been Jar Jar all the time. And every him. In every iteration you've seen Jar Jar or heard him, it is Ahmed Best. Good. I mean, good for him. Yes. I'm happy for him in that. He's also in an episode of Alias, Micah. Wow. He's also in Kangaroo Jack 2, a direct-to-DVD yes. cartoon. Good day, mate. Or uh, Good Day USA. Kangaroo Jack 2, Good Day USA. And then he does a ton of voice acting for cartoon stuff, animated stuff, and video games. Okay. Good for him. I, I uh, That's genuinely good that he, yeah. he gets that win. Um, so, they, I mean, this is a different time. So how they would do the CGI characters is they would block the shots with the voice actors on set, and then they would run it again, and then the voice actor just wouldn't be on, like they would be off screen. And then they would just go through the same motions. They would have to guess when they said their lines? Oh well, the no. I think the voice actors would still be on set and talking, but there, there's no like eye line or anything. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. So yeah. I mean, that explains. There were a few shots where you were like, that person's not looking at the mm -hmm. the digital person. That I chalk up to the time period. Oh, They're trying totally. to figure out how to do it. Totally. Um. There's another. So there's there's two more like amazing scenes in the documentary, and one is where they're interviewing the editor. And he's sitting there, the editor to the movie, and he's going, you know, George, he, uh, well, he, he really likes this technology where we can now split takes. So we can take an actor who did good in take one and an actor who did good in oh, take two and put yeah. them in the same take. And um, doesn't really leave much performance for the actors. And sometimes people are not playing off and each other properly. And it changes the meaning of a scene. Yeah, he's saying that and and he I forget the exact line, but he just says something to the effect of like I just don't like what this means for movies. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty clear on his face and then the how he's saying things. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just love these sorts of documentaries because like I know that there's a ton of special features on Disney and there's a ton of stuff you can watch about Star Wars. And I've never even bothered, and I, and I, w I won't even look up that much behind the scenes for the new movies because I know that they're not going to show their warts because mm -hmm. it's Disney. Mm -hmm. But I like that and nothing they can, can show nothing the can rival the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah, because Lord of the Rings, they they do show you how hard it is, but I mean they're not really saying anything bad about the movies either. Yeah. That being said, those movies are all perfect. Right. Right. Um, and then there's the great scene where. Uh, they watch the movie for the first time as a rough cut. And like you said, they're all like, George, it's too fast. And he's saying it too. 
And the expression, I mean, George is a very expressionless man, Mm -hmm. but the expression on his face when he finishes the movie, it's this moment of like, we've completed it and it's all wrong. And mm-hmm. and we're too far. We're too far. We like, spent too much money. Like we've we've bet and and the ha- like the person just called our bet and now we have to lay down our cards and we actually don't have a royal flush and we thought we did. Yep. Uh, we don't even have a straight. Like <laughs> we don't even have a, two, a pair. Yeah. Maybe they got a pair. I would say another really interesting thing in the documentary that. Um, People just, I don't think these people get enough credit in movies, and I don't think people think about it a lot because you're not really supposed to. Yeah. But it shows like eight weeks before the film is supposed to come out, which is stressful. But he's in a giant studio, a giant studio yeah. with sound editors, and they're specifically going over the pod racing scene. Yeah. And George is, like, t- is noting on like how things should be sounding. Yeah. And that, uh, like, forced me to pay extra attention to the pod racing scene. What? It's like the best part of the movie. Um, Second best. What's the first best? We'll get there. Oh, okay. But uh, the sounds, the sound design is so interesting. Yeah. And especially like with, I would say fantasy and sci-fi movies and horror, but like sound design is so important. Absolutely. And I, and, and you're not really supposed to notice it, you know? Yeah. But it, it does like it. It does drive things just like how the mu- music does too. Uh huh. And it was cool. Yeah, it, it's. I feel like George shines in that scene because he knows what he's doing, and it, yeah. it turns out really well. I yeah. mean, the sound design in this movie. It's great. Is unbelievable. Yeah. It's so good. The, the, Star Wars always. They always know how to do sound. Yeah. But uh, could you imagine how Christopher Nolan must be when when they're doing the sound editing? I, I imagine he doesn't show up. Oh, no, he absolutely does. <laughs> and that might be the problem. <laughs> no, no. If he didn't show up, the movies would be, a- you'd be able to <laughs> that's hear. That's true, that's true. But I'm sure that there's an explosion, and he's like, okay, can you put that on 10? And they're like, okay, we usually just do 7. And he's like, no, put it at 10. And then they go, the next scene has dialogue, and he's like, can you put that at, like, minus 5? And they're like, okay, but the last the, the one second ago it was 10. And he's like, yeah, I know. It's my vision. I, I want people to be writing their their volume on the remote the whole time. Yeah. Um, so the first teaser trailer for this movie was released um, with the movie Meet Joe Black. And okay. people would go to see the movie or any movie that yeah. had it, and then they would leave after yeah. the trailer. Um, and then some studios started putting the trailer at the end of the yeah. movie, so people had to sit through the movie. Yeah. But people were paying full price to That's watch the That's just so trailer. crazy. Yeah. Um, the Wall Street Journal reported that so many people ha- uh, were going to go see the premiere that many companies closed on the premiere date. It was a national holiday, but international <laughs> holiday, potentially. And then, I-, I don't know if this is the first time, but this might be the first time. We may have George... To thank or to blame for release dates getting pushed to Wednesday instead of oh. Friday. Because two weeks before the movie comes out, he pushes for them to release it on the 19th. Okay. And I'm sure it's, I mean, he says so that like fans can, you know, check it out and whatnot. It's to pad the weekend so that you can say, I had this huge opening weekend, but you also have like $4 million in, in Wednesday and Thursday. It doesn't feel add. legal in terms of uh, box oh, office so, reportage. Like, it, it doesn't feel honest. It's but so I know dumb. It's the norm now. 
Well, and and um, some movies like they'll open on Memorial Day weekend, uh-huh. and so so Monday counts. So they it's like they they do Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mm-hmm. So there's three extra days. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's it's six weeks, and then and then they get an ad. Usually, you know, anywhere from like three to ten, or even like fifteen million extra dollars to their box office. Yeah. So There's a, another video that we watched right after the documentary that also broke our hearts. And oh, it's, yeah. uh, oh, it was yeah. that compilation of um, news channels go like across the country, interviewing people lined up to see Star Wars yeah, and getting their reactions before seeing the movie and then getting people's reactions after seeing the movie. And for the most part, in terms of this compilation, people loved the movie. Yeah. But I, I think I'm assuming there were like most people, they weren't not going to like the movie. They right. were that jazzed about it. It's upon rewatch. <laughs> but yeah. I love the, probably my favorite one is sh- they get Shaq's reaction. And he loved the movie. <laughs> and he said, I'll probably see it a couple more times. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, last couple notes. David Tottershall did the cinematography and he did the green mile die another day. And he does this whole trilogy. Um, the movie looks great. I think it looks good. Um, I think the camera movements are awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great. Movie comes out May 21st, 1999. A $115 million budget makes $474 million in the U.S. And it makes a billion dollars worldwide. Crazy. And those are my notes. Crazy taxi. Do you have any other actor notes? No. Okay. So the movie begins. So we already talked about the opening crawl and how strange it is compared mm-hmm. to the previous three crawls um so let's we can kind of skip that mm-hmm. there's a ship that comes down with obi-wan and qui-gon jinn they get onto the trade federation ship i like the designs of these ships they look really cool like the designs of the aliens the pneumoidians of course yeah um with those cool animatronic lips yeah um yeah that stuff looks cool so and if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But since this movie coming out, it has been criticized for potential um, stereotypes. Yeah. Racial stereotypes that people have inferred. Yeah, with, with the character of Jar Jar, uh, uh, Watto, and the Nemoidians. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm maybe not equipped to like handle that conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um but so so I, I I'm not uncomfortable talking about it. I just don't I, I don't think I'm quite educated enough to be like, yes, this or no that or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um I think me too. But yeah, there I mean, there's something that rings strange about about it. Yeah. Um but you know, it's also aliens. I don't know. Yeah. I do think that the Wada one is the is the weirdest one to me. I agree with that. But it, at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. just a design. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'd like to think that these are all just things that George Lucas made up and that it was like circumstance that they happened to be stereotypes, but that's probably not accurate. Yeah. Um, but anyway. One thing to note about Wado, though, is do you want to know what species he's is? I don't remember what it's called. A Toydarian. Okay. Now, this speaks to a, the George Lucas thing yeah. where it's like 
he has he is now making a 115 million dollar star wars movie with his own money and he is being an insane artist he is doing the artistic dream he he can do whatever he wants but he's also covering his bases and making sure there's cute enough stuff that he can sell because he has a species called a toy dairy and we all know Watto is so cute well but you know what i'm saying yeah. where it's like the toy darian the name of toy darian seems like he's tempting the audience to not like him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know but yeah uh the effects are pretty insane I don't know how much of that is touch-ups and remasters and stuff, but... Of Watto? Of, of, no, back to the beginning of the movie. So, um, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn... Yes. ...and Obi-Wan Kenobi... Yes. ...are dispatched to this ship as li- liaisons right. to try and smooth over the situation because these people have set up, like, they've, like, barricaded the planet of Naboo... Yeah. ...and they're armed... They set up a blockade. A blockade, and they're armed and dangerous and ready to... They're basically on strike, but battle-wise. So, okay, let's take let's take a, a zoom out from the plot, because something that I always try and figure out when I watch this movie is what is the plot of this movie. Yeah, but if he wants to talk about taxation and all this stuff, I want to try and figure it out. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm saying okay. instead of going like limping along, can we figure out what yeah, yeah, the yeah. Trade Federation is doing? So, so well, they... this is this is what they're doing. Uh, this is what's really happening is this whole taxing thing is happening, but the only reason the bad stuff is happening is because of Palpatine is is creating. Um, he's pulling all the strings, and he's creating tension. In some weird, convoluted way to make himself chancellor. Yes. They use the word bureaucracy a lot in this movie. Uh, And it's, I mean, as we know, it's like, that is one of the most boring things. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, you know, it's like the United States of America's government is built in such a way that things move very slowly because of checks and balances. Therefore, it's kind of boring. uh Uh-huh. Kind of similar. Yeah. So, but yeah, so the Trade Federation, they want to take over Naboo. I'm sure there's a lot of, plenty of resources there. And so the the Emperor is pulling the strings to manipulate the situation to get them to get down there, capture the Queen so that she signs a treaty so that they rule Naboo. And so... that's the Isn't that the macro plot, right? I think so. And why are they working for him? It sounds like they're getting stuff out of this maybe maybe well they would be getting the planet well they'd be getting the planet but i think they would also be getting this whole tax thing taken care of like the whole um the issues with it will not be issues to them anymore yeah maybe like a workaround at the end of the day i think george lucas is frustrated that he's a man who has billions of dollars and gets um is in a he has to pay a lot of taxes. I think that's what this movie is truly about. Well, I'm sorry that you're living on your uh, mansion Skywalker, of a ranch. Skywalker Ranch. And you have to, you are so upset about all the money you have and all of the money you have to pay. And at the end of it, you'll still have so much money <sighs> that you have to make a movie that frustrates us just as much as you're frustrated. <laughs> the ultimate uh, crybaby. 
move. Well, and so here's, uh, so when we take that macro plot and then we add in all of Jar Jar Binks and stuff. The George, Jar Jar Binks of it all. Yeah. George, George, George has um, often said, you know, when I made Star Wars, the first movie, it was intended for children. We have done a record. We know that he had that intention. When he makes this movie, he's like, Jar Jar was made for kids. I don't disagree with him. Okay. I think the, the, one of the other main rubs is, okay, you made a kid's movie, but you, you can't like go, okay, here's Despicable Me, but also there's an The President's Men plot happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Those movies don't mesh. Yeah. You got to pick a lane, Michael. Yeah. So I think the other thing about this movie is like, okay, sure, it's made for kids, but half of what's going on is like diplomatic closed door dealings where, and, and I like complicated movies. I do. But I, I just think the tone doesn't match the rest of the movie. N- none of the tones match up. And for a movie like, so the, the, the original three Star Wars movies are not very complicated movies. But they have big themes and big meanings. Yes. We just saw a movie last night. As we already said, we watched The Lost City. Yeah. That movie was very charming and very fun. Yeah. I would definitely recommend that's a fun evening. That's an evening well spent watching that movie. And I think it's a pretty well-written movie. And it's a really well-written movie. And they the, the movie is pretty, like template like this is you hit these marks you fulfill these acts and these yeah. character developments and you're going to have a good movie it can't be bad yeah. if you do these things one of the most important things that they did and i know it's not a sci-fi fantasy movie but they of course have the MacGuffin, which is the whole reason for the movie of this whole like ancient tribe that sandra bullock is trying to is being forced to to discover but eventually her it becomes part of her character development to finish off the discovery yeah and it was a huge by the end of the movie she had fulfilled her character arc and it all happened within the the macguffin of the movie right and that is like a i think just a textbook example of something uh, of the thing that moves the story forward actually also develops the characters Yes, okay. This, this movie, the thing that's technically moving the story story forward, although most of the movie is set a screeching halt. Yeah. Uh is this tax federation thing. <laughs> yeah. That's like the MacGuffin. That's what the whole movie, this is why we have the movie. Uh-huh. But what's so boring about it is at some point, so Queen Amidala and her people uh escape on a ship. But they their ship gets damaged and they have to go to Tatooine. It's outside of the Federation, the Galactic Federation, whatever. And don't worry, folks, we'll fill in those blanks. Yeah, but the, but they're they'll they'll be potentially safe there while they yeah. can recover. So they go there, and most of the movie is spent on this uh, planet, and all all of it is to serve the purpose of Anakin. Right. But at a certain point, I'm like, what is happening? what is yeah, going yeah. on in this movie because they fix the ship so much stuff happens and then they're able to go to some city planet to continue this tax thing and i have no idea where anyone is at as a character and honestly it could almost be fixed if 
if it just not fixed. I mean, there's so many problems with this movie, but the the plot of this movie could maybe be fixed if it just wasn't. It, it, if it was just like, yo, the emperor wants to kill all the Naboo people yes. and capture the queen, That's- and they escape, and then like the same things happen. Yeah, but it's not like wait, so wait, who's getting taxed, and what's the okay? So if I if I file as a single, my withholdings will be fine on this movie. Or do I need to do Mary? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll file jointly. That way. (laughs) And then, so in the first trilogy, we have the 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 uh, what are they called? Emperor. Well, what's the bad? Oh, the Empire. The Empire. The Empire is just they just want uh, domination. They want they want galaxy wide domination. But you have the rebel crew. Galaxy wide. The the rebel crew are like, no, that's wrong. They're basically Nazis. You know, they're just trying to get everything, and um. That's one simple to understand. Two, we have uh, it affects characters mm-hmm. mostly Luke because he is our main character because his dad's involved. Yeah, and I know we don't know that until the second movie, but like that forces characters to develop. Right. This movie, no one is forced to do anything. Yeah, and it is so boring. But Jar Jar learns his courage, kinda. I don't know. I really don't know. So the Jedi are up in this uh, ship, and they're going to do the negotiations. TC-14 comes in, gives them their their so a little cup, and then gas comes through, and they're like, we're going to kill these Jedi. Now, this, this first sequence, all about it. Cool. Like, the mist is there, and I, I guess when the mist is coming in, that's the only scene in the whole movie that doesn't have special effects in it. Oh, okay. Um, and they put on their the droids stuff. are real. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, like just those no, no, couple I of know. shots. Yeah. Let me let me check my note here. The scene in which toxic gas released on the Jedi is the only sequence with no digital alteration. So there you go. Cool. But then their lightsabers turn on, mm-hmm. and you see them come through, and they're fighting. And now this is something the movie nails: the lightsabers. They, they've always been a little held back by the technology. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the lightsabers are, like, really striking. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been striking before, but now they're, like, cutting down these battle droids and ripping them We're in half. We're seeing, like, what they can do. And it's cool. Because... Come on. Of, oh, Jordan, Micah, Micah. You have to say it's cool. Micah. It's cool. Okay. Whew. So, they... Yeah, I think the action's good in this movie, too. Especially the, the Darth good. Maul part yeah. is, like, super cool. Um, But they... And I, I like that they, they show, like, lightsabers can throw uh, lasers back at whoever shot it. Oh, that's so great. Love that. As a kid, definitely played did that. Yeah. Um, and they're using the force here and there, like, pushing the battle droids. And it's, yeah. it's kind of fun since they are battle droids. Like, they can just, like, rip them to pieces uh-huh. and we don't feel remorse for, like... They just kind of decapitated a stormtrooper oh, or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and not that I'd feel cool, bad for that. The cool spider-looking... Th- destroyers oh the droidicas yeah who have the cool, shields the yeah they're field. great hard but, to play in battlefront too but oh i bet micah yeah, yeah. specialty uh, class but i like also with lightsaber stuff when they're trying to then infiltrate like the c- control room and they're shutting like all the doors and qui-gon stabs the laser and then it's like dun 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 and he kind of closes his eyes uh-huh. and you're like okay this is cool yeah and it's burning it yeah then the droidicas come, they fight them, mm-hmm. um, and then they basically 
they escape on the ships that are being sent down to weird noise you made (laughs) on the ships that are sent down to Naboo this all happens in the span of like four and a half minutes it's Uh so fast yeah okay that's fine but then like immediately we're introduced to Jar Jar Binks okay yeah that okay so (laughs) as I've said I think on the first episode I've seen Star Wars a million times I cannot remember a single thing in any of the movies yeah I think this time is the time I'll remember everything because I have to talk about it right right um this movie's called Phantom Menace the Phantom Menace yeah and I will not forget yeah I do not remember Jar Jar showing up this fast. I don't, I don't, I don't remember either. them going underwater that fast. I don't either. I, I, I thought there was more like Trade Federation stuff at the beginning. Me too. Like way more. Yeah. But but it happens pretty quick. And and by the time they leave the Gungan City, I, w- I was feeling like for the first time, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I was like, oh, this is this is like way too fast. Yeah. Like there's too much going on too quickly and and the shots not the shots but the scenes are are just so fast that yeah. that people are just saying things like the negotiations will be short yes i believe that they will next scene oh would you like to go to gungan city okay we're going i just have to quick pause yeah uh so life update we got a dog yes his name's gilmore slash oi yes he is currently licking our rug the, the uh, with a pattern on our rug and he's licking the leaves as if there's something to taste there <laughs> I did, I couldn't tell that that's what he and was he's doing. He's biting it. I now he's just licking the rug. What? Okay. Good boy, Gilmore. And he's going at it. Come on, knock it off, knock it off, buddy. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> wish you could see him, folks. But you can look at our Instagrams to see probably daily updates of Gilmore slash Oi, uh, which is a good time to tell you about something. Patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. Uh, 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 link in the description notes. Um, we added another tier. So for $20, you get not only the podcast, a bonus music song that I wrote uh, uh, every single month, uh, bonus videos, merch, all this other stuff. You're going to get an e- exclusive merch. So every three months, it's a loyalty program, and you get merch. So in three months... After you sign up, you're going to get a coffee mug that has our logo of the podcast on it. And then three months after that, you're going to get a mini print that has a Pac-Man thing that Jordan drew. That's really cool. And then three months after that, there'll be a t-shirt. We don't know what the design is yet. Three months after that, a poster. So it's really cool. Sign up for any tier. And this month on Patreon, I believe we are going to be doing a live stream watch of the the holiday special um so you can watch along with us and and tune in but it'll also be available afterward if if this has already come out or whatever so there's that update they meet jar jar binks now a lot has been said about jar jar yep but it it's ever it's hard to truly truly express how bad it is yeah and there are some Within the same scene, there are shots of him that look so bad, and then it will cut, and it doesn't look as bad, yeah. but still bad, and it's just wild. And as we that to me, I can look at through a lens of the time. Uh, me too. Doesn't bother me too. Me. Absolutely. Um the the biggest like um 
annoying thing about yeah. him is the the what he says. Yeah. I can only understand like a third of what he's saying, which is funny because I feel like as a kid I had no problem. Yeah. But also I probably didn't know either what he was saying. No, because there so there it's funny, there are specific lines in this movie that stick out to me as like, oh yeah. Like like last night I felt like there were certain lines where I was like, that's what they say. Yeah. I've never understood yeah. that. And then there were other lines where it's like, maybe next time I'll get that line. This is what I do like about this world building though. Um, that we get different species on one planet. And I know that's a Star Wars yeah. thing. I think Star Wars is always good at that. But I feel like oftentimes um we and, and it's totally fine. Like, for example, Guardians of the Galaxy. No, no, not Guardians of the Galaxy, just Marvel, because they go to space a lot in Marvel. Um, if they go to another planet, we really only see like one people. Yeah. And that's fine because there's no there's like literally no time. Yeah. To to explore that world very much. But I, I do like that in this world on this planet. That it that is like governed by the Queen Amidala people. Yeah, there's like two full ecosystems. Yes, I think that's cool. Yeah. Um But they are being hunted by like droids, uh, and they need to be taken to a secret place. Jar Jar takes them to the Gungan city. Now, is it is this weird? Does anyone relate to this? Eddie Redmayne reminds me of Jar Jar Binks. Let Micah know. I don't know why, but when I look at Eddie Redmayne, I think of Jar Jar Binks. Let That's Micah all. Know. That's all. Um, but Jar Jar says that he might not be able to take them because he's been exiled. He's been banished. Yes. You shall be banished. You <laughs> <laughs> sound like, <laughs> like Nixon in <and> Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a crook. <laughs> So they show up in the Gungan city, and everyone's like, oh, Jaja, you in big doo-doo this time. They say the word doo-doo. Yep. Um, Jar Jar steps in poop in this movie. Yep. Uh, there are creatures that fart, yep. and Jar Jar says, pee <laughs> So those are three things that happen. He also says, okie day. Okie day. Which I actually think is cute. Uh, sh- whatever. Um... <laughs> So they get brought before Boss Nags, I think is his name. No, that doesn't boss sound right. Boss Hogs. Something, Boss something. The the big main Gungan. Uh-huh. And he's like, ooh. Oh, okay day. You shall need a pan por chippa to go to a... It's Gilmore's moving away from you because it's annoying. Um, <laughs> he is. Qui-Gon Jinn and here he uses comes. the force mind control to <laughs> oh, tell him like... He's getting the wire wrapped around him. <laughs> Keep talking while I get it undone. Uh, he's He get, uses Jedi mind control to uh, convince the guy to give him a ship and to give him safe passage and to let Jar Jar go with him. Yeah. Because Jar Jar has a life debt or something. He has what you would call a life debt. He owes, or I owe him a life debt. Oh, actually, if you remember correctly, Liam Neeson fell asleep during that line, so he didn't finish it. Yeah, I was saying it. I I don't, again, I'm not blaming any of the acting on the actors. I really am not. Yeah. I I don't think any of them are to blame. I do think. But you can agree that they look bored. uh, Or or lost. I think they look lost, which is a big difference. Because, you know, Liam Neeson standing in a room full of, Pe- uh, maybe people or maybe it's an empty room with just him and Obi-Wan I'm not sure and he's like having to act and this is this is before this was normal mm-hmm. 
like now you're kind of expected to be able to act in those circumstances. But there's like this famous quote from Hayden Christensen where he said that he wishes that they had taught a class on like how to act with like blue screens and green screens. And he got dunked on for that quote, but they were at the cutting edge of this happening. They didn't know how to do this right. Yeah. But we can't get into Hayden yet. We 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 will tackle him next uh week. <coughs> um so So there's underwater sequence of some really cool creatures. Creature's cool. I like how that one creature has feet uh, and like stands and up. He's buff. He buff. He buff creature. But they make it out and they get to this the city that they need to go to. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, the city in Naboo. And the queen is captured. And th- this is when I wrote the pacing is very fast and crazy. Yes. And and there's no there's really like not enough time to like to sit in who where everyone's at because when we're introduced to um Obi-Wan, we are told that he's a Padawan. They say Padawan and apprentice. So it's the same thing. No, no. Padawan is you're a Padawan and then you become an apprentice. Well, they And said then you become the, a Jedi master. Whatever. He is Qui-Gon Jinn's apprentice. Yeah. And I think I misspoke when you asked if he was a Padawan or an apprentice. I said he was a Padawan. He's an apprentice. I misspoke. But he did say Padawan at some point. Maybe he said it in a certain context of yeah. all that. <laughs> He's uh, really Gilmore's going after, after the rug. Again. Um, <laughs> but so we, we learned that Obi-Wan is an apprentice, but there's just like no real, like no feeling uh we don't really understand what the relationship is other than he obviously has deep respect for Qui-Gon Jinn because he's his like teacher right and that's fine but other than that Ewan McGregor is stuck on a ship for most of the movie I know I know and he's Obi-Wan yeah like we already know who that character is so we were excited to see him I know how disappointing would that have been as a and, and <laughs> if you had gone to theaters going crazy. <laughs> if you had been in theaters and you're like, oh my gosh, Obi Wan. Right. He didn't do very much, but it's him and he's there. <laughs> he just knocked my mic. It's so different from, Ow! from <laughs> he's biting me. But fun biting. It's so different from Force Awakens with Han Solo coming back and he has so much to do. Right. I mean, it does Including, help for them that he he's ending his entire arc, so I think that helps. It's just better written but, all, all in all. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So they get to the city. They're talking to the queen about what's going on, and they're like, we got to leave. Things are getting really bad. Yeah. It's in her, in, her, in her safety. They need to leave. They break out, and 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 then they, then they go to Tatooine. Now, when they go there, there's an astromech, and his name is R2-D2. Yeah. And he appears on the ship and he helps them fix it. And in the theaters, I remember like being like, you know, wanting to like, oh my gosh, exclaim like there's R2-D2. I can't believe it. This is crazy. But what's funny. So, so yeah, he, he like saves their bacon. Yeah. Uh, and they get to Tatooine and like the queen personally thinks R2. This, this droid. Yeah. But she says, what's his number? And the guy says his number is R two D two. Uh huh. It's just very clear and very loud. Yeah. Um. But it's just they just do some things that are like kind of eye rolly today about like guys R two D two, and then later on guys 
C-3PO. Don't go there yet, because um, I have uh, I got my college thesis to pull out for the C-3PO okay. scene. Yeah. So at this point, I believe Kira Knightley is... A Queen ha- Amidala, yeah. It's Queen Amidala. Decoy. Am I saying the name right? Yeah. Amidala? I, Amidala, Amidala. I mean, a, a common thing in Star Wars is there's a name for something, and people pronounce it differently, you yeah. know? Hey, what's up, Han? Yeah, that's true. You know, come on. Um... Darth Maul gets sent to go after them. Uh, that scene's nuts. So they, fast. they walk down a corridor, and then he's like, you must find where Amidala is. We will find them, and we will get revenge. Cut. Yep. Whoa. Okay. Um, then we go to Tatooine. The ship is injured, <laughs> and yep. they need to get parts. Mm-hmm. So they go into town. Queen Amidala sends... Padme, her maidservant, who we will find out is the queen. Mm-hmm. I do like the whole decoy thing. It feels very Shakespearean. Yeah. I yeah. And, and and I think they did such a good job of casting them that that it, it like it totally works. They don't look alike. But with like the makeup and stuff like with that, that makeup, like makeup, it's so heavy. Because in the matter. in the first scene, yeah. it's it's uh it's Kira Knightley. I mean, a uh, uh, Natalie Portman when she shows up in uh-huh. the Trade Federation. Uh huh. And the first, like, few times I watched it, I don't think I ever even noticed. Like, anyway, I just think they is did this, that so um, well. I didn't look this up because we've covered Kara Knightley. Mm-hmm. But is this, like, a big thing for her? I know, well, I know, I know. I know it's a big thing for her. I just don't know where she was at in her career. I don't either. Okay. I can report on that next time. But I won't remember. Yeah, you won't. Um, so they then meet Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. and Watto. So they go to a place that sells parts... But Watto will not. Watto will not accept their currency. Credits. You will accept credits. And no, I won't. You know. Yeah. That's kind of a fun scene. Uh, Jar Jar is, sits at the table, and he. No, no, no. Qui Gon tells him something, and he sticks out his tongue at him, and he puts his his hands up to his ears. And I had a toy. Where you where it was like his shoulders and up, and you would move his hands back and forth, and his tongue would stick out. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the the lollipop they made of Jar Jar? No, Jordan, it's it's disgusting. It is a lollipop that has a covering around it that is Jar Jar, and then you you his press it, and it like sticks out, and you're like you're you, like eating his tongue. Wait, 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 wait. The only part of the candy is the tongue. Yes. Ew. So you're making out with Jar Jar Binks. Ew, that's gross. <laughs> it's really nasty. Um, I just had an intense flashback. Not a flashback, just a memory. Yes, okay. So it was always, it, I feel like it often happened on Friday nights. Yeah. In my childhood. Movie night, go to Blockbuster, get a movie, go to Subway, get my chicken bacon ranch sandwich. <laughs> I did the chicken bacon ranch. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I, I did too. I could not eat that now. Absolutely couldn't. Um. And then we would get to we we would be able to get candy, and pretty much always, always I would choose a baby bottle pop. Baby bottle pop, baby, baby bottle pop. pop. You stand a da 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 da. And we it was like I was addicted to baby bottle pops for a well, long time. Can I tell him about the thumb? Or no? Me sucking my thumb. Yeah. What about it? Well, you sucked your thumb for a long time. Yes, I did. It can I, do you want me to cut this? Well, what's a long time? My mom has a picture of me when I was uh, 
14 in uh, my she took a picture of me while i was sleeping and my thumb was in my mouth that this is how bad i was with sucking my thumb when i was very young people please <laughs> very young uh i would uh be, be getting picked up from school and the second i got into the car i would start sucking my thumb and i really think it was a cope it was like like anxiety yeah that makes sense um but doesn't it make sense that you would buy baby bottle pops oh that's funny no, that's funny though. But I had to. I, I never had full on braces. I only had like four braces across the top. But before you get braces, you have to get that retainer, uh-huh. and that broke me of sucking my thumb. And, and how I, old were you when you got that? Like ten or okay. eleven. Okay. And I because you did just say fourteen, and I want to clarify for the audience: you didn't like intentionally suck your. Thumb. No, no, no. I was in my <laughs> sleep, and I don't even think the picture. It doesn't like. Yeah, it, I don't. I was not actually sucking my thumb in my feet. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's also creepy that my mom had to take a picture of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like part of the reason why I got the whole retainer thing was to break me of sucking my thumb. Wow. I, I It's funny looking. Do you ever like look back on your life and you're like, oh, yeah, I had a lot of anxiety as a kid. Like, like straight up anxiety because me growing up as a kid. Um, I could not spend the night at other people's houses because I thought that my parents would die. Yeah. Like it's irrational children yeah. fear. But um, I, I like I would I would go to someone's house and I'm having the best time. But once the sun went down, it yeah. it would be like that internal struggle of like when am I gonna cry? And ask for my mom to pick me up. Yeah, I don't think I had as much anxiety as a kid. Um. Well, I did when we lived in White City, mm-hmm. um, and we were like more. We were like in a town, you know. I I would like lie awake, and I'd be so scared that someone like the cars driving by would like shoot up our house or like get out of the car and break in and kill me. Oh wow, yeah. I always just thought someone was gonna break in and kill me or shoot me. Mm-hmm. What it wasn't like the rest of the house or something. It was me. And then when we moved out to Eagle Point and we had like property, I could like sleep again. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I, I distinctly have this memory of spending the night at my cousin's house in Grants Pass uh-huh. and in the middle of the night, cry, like go to my aunt and crying and asking for my mom to pick me up, which would have been a 40 minute drive. Uh-huh. And obviously that didn't, no one's doing that. Yeah. I, I like honestly believed that aliens were there because I was like hearing things. Oh. But like I grew up in the woods and never heard very much besides nature uh-huh. and they lived in a neighborhood so it just scared you yeah well i'll i'll tell an embarrassing story because of the um th- thumb sucking thank you um i i don't remember what year it was but i feel like it was a little too late for this sort of thing to happen like i would guess maybe like anywhere from 3rd to 5th grade maybe 6th i hope not that late but there, you know that we had had those fun days like yeah. it was like the second to last day of school. It would just be like games everywhere, and I totally peed my pants. <laughs> but was it was it because you had to go to the bathroom so bad? But I didn't want to go. Yeah, but I feel. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I peed my pants, but I was fortunate because it was during a water game. You know what? You definitely were not the only kid who peed your pants. Yeah. So it was like it was like I was getting pelted with like water balloons or something, and and I I don't know how bad I peed my pants, but but I peed my pants enough that if there wasn't water, <laughs> I, it, you totally would have seen it. Oh, that sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean I, it's like I got away with it. I guess you could say. But yeah. Anyway, 
So we're we're even now. Yeah, man, Star Wars makes you talk about your childhood. Yeah, it, it really does. Um. So then we meet Sebulba. <laughs> <laughs> So Bulba's cool. So I think I always liked him because he kind of reminded me of Mushu from Mulan. Yeah, he kind of has like the whisker things and too. And he, he looks like a little dragon. Mm-hmm. I always liked him even though he's a bad guy. Now, I made a realization this time watching the movie that I've never made. In the, mov- in the movie, Jar Jar like grabs uh, like a frog or something and he's eating it. He spits it out. It hits Sebulba's food. Uh-huh. He walks over and knocks him over, and he's, like, got him in a choke hold. And then Anakin is like, hey, Sebulba, stop doing this. Like, it's not worth it or whatever. And then Anakin walks over to Qui-Gon, and he says, your friend here was about to get turned into orange goo. And all of my life until this viewing, I thought that Sebulba was some sort of alien. He is, of course. But, he, but like, when he kills people, he turns them into, like, orange ooze, <laughs> like goo stuff. Not that he was going to obliterate. Not, yeah, not that it's, like, the same thing if someone was like, hey, he was about to, like, hit you black and blue. Yeah. I didn't take it as an expression. I took it as, like, a literal thing that he would turn hey, it into a puddle of Hey, that's not that crazy, because this is a world you don't know. I know, but this time, this was the first time I watched it where I was like, oh, he's just saying, like, slang, basically. Yeah. Because, like, Jar Jar's kind of orange. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, Padme meets Anakin. Yeah. And they are forever fated to fall in love. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Um, are you an angel? <sighs> so that whole thing happens. I'm yeah. trying to scroll up to my notes. I, I, they went to the bottom on accident. But so they are, okay, so <sighs> they're like hanging out with Anakin and what, so like a sandstorm's coming and Anakin's like, you'll never make it back to your ship. You have to come to my house. Yeah. So they go to his house. That's where they meet his mom. Another actor who just looks so lost. Uh, okay. Yes. I think she would be like my number three performance probably. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you, actually you're right. Never mind. No, if that's what it is, that's fine. No, no, no. You're you're right. I, I think I've always thought that, but not this time. You're right. I don't. I don't know. She, she's, uh, no, I, I like, I, if you like her, that's great. But I mean, there needs to be more emotion, but I, again, I think that's directing. No, she's not. I don't know. No one's really good in this movie. No one. But so this is when we find out. So Anakin, this is what's crazy is like, and it's unfortunate because of the writing and the casting, but Anakin is supposed to be this character that is like really tech savvy. Yeah. And and he's very young. So he's like a prodigy. And you find out it's like it's because he's a Jedi that he is so good at these things. Yeah. Um and it just does not work for me. I don't yeah. I'm not convinced that this kid can build C3PO. Yeah. But that's what we find out. Yeah, so C3PO. He's in this movie. I mean, love the design. An unfinished yeah, looks C3PO cool. looks amazing. I think this is the problem with any and all sequels, uh, prequels, excuse me, where there's this weird need to connect every single event and every character from whatever is your main series. And I think that it really hurts most prequels. And for a, a series like Star Wars, it makes the universe seem really small. Yes. When it's supposed to be a galaxy. Yes. So, like, like for example, another thing, there's a deleted scene 
after the pod race where Anakin is punching the the creature that looks like Greedo, and he's like, mm-hmm. he's like Greedo, you know, he he said that he thought I cheated in the pod race, and he calls him Greedo, and oh. I was like, so that's like that just it's a cut scene. I can't blame him for a cut scene, but it's like so Greedo is one of his friends, like yeah. one of Darth to grow Vader's up friends. To be- shot by han solo yeah and to be like a bad person yeah and it's like why why does every character have to be in a prequel that's just the fan service thing yeah but it's it's also like it, it's bad writing because it's just kind of like hey look c3 makes everything cheap and then and then you go okay but what does c3po do and in this movie he just kind of like says stuff well but so this is what i was curious about Anakin like invents that character, that uh, robot. Right, right. How does Anakin know how to program a robot to know like sixty billion languages? Uh, well, he's a protocol droid. I don't get that. Or he's a human cyborg relations. I mean, that's that sounds like something only a government can create. Yeah, it's it's well, and what's also weird is uh, uh freaking you see like TC fourteen at the beginning of this movie is is, c3po silver yeah and so it's like i mean i guess he's making a droid like those droids Mm -hmm. but it would make more sense if like c3po was the only type of droid that was that droid because this little boy made him yeah but he's like what all of them are yeah it makes no sense that he made him and and i don't know if darth vader ever sees him in the in the the trilogy the main trilogy but it's kind of like you know, it's weird. And yeah, it's very And I know weird. at the end of three, they wipe the robot's memories. And that's that's to explain why. Oh, no. They do a that's memory what they do. thing. They do a Fast and Furious. Which Letty is dumb because. In a car accident and loses her memory thing. Because in episode four, C-3PO talks about how they were in the Clone Wars. Get out of here. I think. I'm pretty sure he does when he's getting his bath at the beginning when he's yeah, talking I, to I, Luke. And so then it's like, yeah. but your memory's wiped. Ugh. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So that's what's wrong with all of prequels, that sort of thing. So in the scene we find out, or, or Qui-Gon Jinn tells Anakin why they're here. Mm-hmm. And that they, uh, pretty much Anakin, this child, this is why I think it, it just would be all around more believable and better and more acceptable if he was just older, a little bit older. Yeah. To be like, I can help you. Yeah. Like he's a pod racer. You do find out later that he's never won a race or finished. He's which never I, finished a race, yeah. Which I do like that touch. It's it's a fun touch, but you're also like, wow, Qui-Gon's stupid. Well, it's also like, oh yeah, why am I putting everything on a nine year old's shoulder? Yeah, yeah. When like let's say he was even thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. It's just a little bit more like he's probably done at least raced in a hundred races by then. Just something <laughs> that small makes all the difference or something crazy. But yeah. But then we find out that he was c- conceived by midi chlorians. Well, we don't know that yet. But they do clarify that in this movie. They do. And I Well, they they say Qui-Gon later says like I like it's potentially like the father is midi chlorians or something. Because the midi chlorian count is the highest in this kid than anyone has ever seen. Yeah. And well, let's talk about midi chlorians. Okay, well, okay, but the mom he he says, "Who is his father?" And the mom says, "There is none." And I think she this- says, "Well, but even better, she says there is no father. I I bore him, I raised him, I taught him, 
And I always thought, like when that scene happens, I always think to myself, that means that there is an absent father. Not that there is literally no father. But then the movie goes on to heavily imply that, no, 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 this is a virgin birth. Yeah, I've he never... He is Jesus. I've always a took, Jesus that, character. took that as an absent father. Yeah. So this was the first time in my life last night where she says that and I said, wait a second. Yeah. By the way, we pause this movie so many times because I it's, it's like finally... It's a little baffling. Finally, yeah. I'm asking all the questions I'm going to ask. Right. Kind of, kind of viewing. And so midi-chlorians are this thing that that is like if you have a high count then you have a high f- it's like what the force is every, made of everyone has midichlorians it's the I, amount I that you have that makes you a jedi that's what they infer okay um because the force is everywhere it's all around us but like he has a high midichlorian count. okay so are, do you think this is the dumbest thing ever and so, like such a bummer here is what i think you have to you now there's so there's two things um and I'll come back to them on Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Jedi Council, I'm going to finish my thoughts on that when we get to Last Jedi. I'll hint at it here. And midichlorians I'll finish on Force Awakens. Are they talking about midichlorians? No. Okay. They never refer to them again because everyone hates them. Okay. Now, once I got older, yeah, of course it's stupid. But I, I posit this. This, this, is, this is how I view the series. The Jedi Council is a religion, and when it existed back in these days, it was like a puritanical, basically kind of borderline almost evil organization. I don't think that's George Lucas's intent. This is my reading on the series, and I think actually some creators have leaned into that, but the fact that they're like, hey, you can't um, have a girlfriend— hey, um, if you love someone, that's bad. Um, And then when Qui-Gon's like, Qui-Gon seems to be more in touch with the Force, like in a religion, maybe someone is more in touch with the true nature of religion than like a a pastor maybe or or a priest or something like that. And, And... Qui-Gon kind of feels like a John the Baptist type character. Like he's out in the wilderness with the locusts eating the honey and stuff like that and being and people are like, this guy's a little crazy. So when I read it like that, I feel like to me, the force is this magical, you know, fo- power source. And at one point in history, they believed that it was this scientific thing that they could prove. Then as the religion dies then the new trilogy happens and that knowledge is gone slash people just don't believe that knowledge anymore. Then there's a moment in Force Awakens, I guess I'm just going to say it now, where Kylo Ren like stops this bullet in a really fascinating way and it just like stops in time. And then like the way Rey is using the Force, it feels like the Force itself is progressing and becoming stronger and more powerful and it can be tapped in more. So I like to think of it like in, I'm trying to think of an example in Christianity, but there's been times throughout history where the church has believed, oh, this passage or this thing is happened like this and that's what happened. And then maybe a hundred years later, science shows us actually 
that reading of it of the scripture like doesn't make that much sense. Um, but it actually illuminates this part, and it actually makes sense, but in a different way. And so that's how I read the midi chlorians in my own fun reading. Is like it was it was a misreading of scripture, like the force. That's how I like to look at it. That's really interesting. And I think it's kind of fun. I wish it was intentional. Yeah. And I, and I know Mike has told me that like creators have tapped into that, which is cool because I feel like the whole fundamental Jedi Council is based on these pillars that are like just not. It's it's like a fallen church that's preaching a fa- false gospel. Yeah, it's, that's it's how like, it feels. Yeah, to it me. is like you have to live this lifestyle in order to to believe in this or do this thing. Yeah. When I, you know, throughout history, that has been kind of a thing. That's why we've had crusades and wars and things over religion. When other, like, in some ways, we've got to a point where it's like there are, depending on the denomination or the religion, like, there are people who do, who are celibate uh, because they believe they've been called to be and they believe that it, that by through and and like that that tiny thing and along with all the other things brings them closer to God. Yeah, and it's so yeah. It does. It is interesting that like maybe at some point they can get to that. Yeah, that's that's how I like to look at it. And I think I guess I'll I might touch on it again when we get to the movie. But in Last Jedi, when Yoda tells Luke like the Jedi holy textbooks, like he's like, did you even read them? Do you even care about them? And then he sends down like the bolt of lightning to destroy where they're at. That to me is this thing where it's like, that's never what the force was supposed to be. It it was corrupted. So I think Ryan, as far as the movies are concerned, I think Ryan Johnson is the only director that actually recognized that and addressed it. Hmm. I don't think anyone else has Mm -hmm. up to this point. But interesting. That that to me, so when I hear midi chlorians, I think of it like that, and I think it's actually when you look at it through that framework, I think it's actually very cool. Hmm. But I really don't think that was the creator's intent of no. many chlorians. No. Not at all. But that's that's my uh, dissertation on that. Okay. Does that make you think of it any differently? Um, it does make me swallow it a little bit better to yeah. just kind of pretend that that's what's happening. Yeah. But it is it is just such a, a bummer. It is that getting into that realm of explaining something that just shouldn't be explained. Well, and and one thing I've heard as an explanation of of why it's so hated is like when you watched A New Hope, you thought like I could do that. I could be that well, person. Well, that's that's what that's And then the this thing. movie's like, "Nuh-uh, you have to have a high midi chlorine." Well, that's count. that's like it it's as if and I mean, who will find out with the new Fantastic Beast movie which we've already seen by the time this has come out. But like just let things be magical if they're magical and don't explain why they're magical. Right, right. Like the beautiful thing is like, it's just, it just is. <laughs> right. And right. What I'm afraid that they're just going to poop on is this muggle. And, and maybe I'm just contradicting myself. You're so worked like, up. On I know this. I've, I've brought you're, you're it up. So... I've brought it up so many times, but they're <laughs> by the way, give... we're two hours into this episode. <laughs> we're, they're going to give this muggle a wand. And in the trailer, he uses it. Yeah. And it's like, but I, that based on the world that you have constructed, that's just not how it works. Uh-huh. But and I, and I'm sure, I think the issue that I'm gonna, going to have with it or have had with it is that they will explain the nitty gritty of why it's okay and why it works. 
right. and why maybe wizards can harness magic because we all have within us this these midi chlorians and some of it some people if they have a better focus or just a better talent for it they all can pick up a wand and use it and it's just it just like bums me out yeah well we'll see maybe we wouldn't it be hilarious if we like really like the movie i I hope i love that and then people have heard that episode and then they start listening because we've been talking about it on our episodes for a while and they're like why did they i thought they liked it i yeah well we'll see let's get back to this uh, in, one of my favorite quotes in this movie that I like to quote a lot, but no one knows what I'm referencing. So if you see me and I do this, it's this. Is when he finally gets the pod racer going and he goes, it's working. It's working. So if you ever hear me do that, that's what I'm doing. Anakin specifically is who he's talking about. Yeah. Um, so then Qui-Gon Jinn strikes, uh, makes a bet with Watto. Yeah. Um, they... They use a chance cube, of course. They use a chance cube that Micah pointed out, which was very funny, that when the dice is rolled, it is rolling across sand, but it's making a clicking noise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that that doesn't—that's a movie thing. I I don't care. Oh yeah, it's It's just funny. Um, I I feel like it's almost up there with like microphone feedback. Like for some reason, they think that we need to know that the microphone. They do that in this movie. They do. Yeah. Um, but Qui-Gon Jinn uses a little bit of the force to make it go in his favor in order to make the bet happen. Uh, and if Anakin wins, Anakin wins his freedom. And Qui-Gon Jinn get the gets the parts. parts. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So now, pod race, right? Yeah. So this is like very much um, they use, they borrow is the term I read from Ben-Hur. There are like sequences and shots of this pod race that are like exactly the Ben Hur chariots. That's pretty cool. I think that's a fun thing. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. It's an update. I think the pod racing scene is sort of like it's one of those things where it's like, well, the movie sucks, but you can't deny that this is cool. Wait, so was you said the first best part of the movie was the beginning? Nope. Oh, we haven't got to the best part of the movie. Okay, this is the best part of the movie to me. The second best part of the movie. Okay. Um. So the well, sounds are super cool. The yeah. action's very fun. I, I understand everything. I mean, that's the happening. special effects are insane. The special effects look so good. The Jabba look looks so like good. crap. Jabba looks bad. The he two-headed dudes, bad. not great. Yeah. Uh, I the Humpty Dumpty dude. I don't like looking at him. Which one's the it's Humpty the dude Dumpty that never dude. gets his thing to start. Oh yeah, he's a little he's gross Humpty looking. Dumpty dude. I like that. <laughs> Um, I do like the guy who kind of has like a headband and when my sister and I used to rewind this over and over and over where he crashes and he goes, <laughs> we would just like rewind it over and over, just laugh. <laughs> um, and then there's the one guy who's like, and like covers his face as he runs into a stalagmite or tight, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he blows up. Um, there's Tuscan Raiders. I know that that's maybe you know what i'm talking about but it feels like oh, yeah i think that works tuscan raiders would be around that works jawas would be around even jabba i think makes sense uh-huh. at the pod racing um i do i am waiting for it's funny i'm waiting for when they're when they do something in star wars where they again use pod racers yeah and uh, of course this kind of speaks against what i just said about prequels and like reusing stuff in a huge galaxy, but I feel like people would kind of lose their minds if if pod racers were in it. I I did hear someone say it kind of goes against some of the points in Last Jedi 
I think it was Andrew Backus. Uh, I think he said that instead of them jumping on those horses at the casino, they should have done pods. What if they like opened up a thing and there were pod racers? It would have looked better. That's for sure. It would have. Yeah. Um, the mirage effect is crazy. Yes, they nailed it. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. Um, yeah, and he wins. Mm-hmm. We kind of blasted through that, but I mean, hey, you got a confession about me peeing my pants. So and about me sucking my thumb. So if you're not signed up for Patreon, we got to pay for our uh, our doctor bills, our therapist bills. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always felt like Shmi and Qui Gon Jinn kind of had a thing for each other. Really? I always felt like I that. don't think anyone had chemistry with anybody. I Not feel- even with themselves. Oh, come on. I think they did. What? For real? I think they did. I think okay. they had a little... One, one more week on Tatooine. I can't spend more energy on something like that. I spend one more week on Tatooine and finally she Attican would have had a daddy. Yeah. And that would have been no virgin birth, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> so... um then he says bye to his mom, and he goes. He's going to become a Jedi. Darth Maul attacks. A lot shorter of an attack than I remember. Me too. But Darth Maul's so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the shining lights of this movie. Yes, he, he really is. I wish he was in it like 10 minutes more. Yeah. And that would really drive it home. Mm-hmm. But it's also effective that he's not in the movie that much. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, who is the Phantom Menace? Oh, I was going to ask you that. I mean, isn't that the chance, or isn't that Palpatine? I guess maybe it's, it can be several things. I think it's Palpatine because by the end of the movie, uh, the good guys are aware of someone potentially pulling the strings. Yeah. On what's happened. I've always felt like it was Darth Maul. He really? was the Phantom Menace, but. Well, that makes sense because throughout the that- movie, they're trying to figure out who he is. Yeah, but I guess the the chan- ch- Chancellor Palpatine makes more sense. Maybe it's just the Siths, the Siths in general. Yeah, well, and there's there can only be two. Well, only two of them. There's only two of them. Um, and Mike just pulled out another chunk of his hair, probably. <laughs> um, so then they get to Coruscant, the city that is in a planet. Yeah, Coruscant is cool. Yeah, I like a city planet. Uh, they, there's, there's, there's the Jedi council, which is, it's cool to see Yoda in the, in the remasters. He is now digitized. He used to be a puppet. Yeah. Um, I think I used to like that they digitized him because he looked more like he does in two and three. Yeah. But the digital Yoda in one is uh, total crap. Looks very bad. It didn't bother me that much. I think... Uh, I mean, it's obviously not as good as the puppet, but... The puppet's way better. Yeah. Um, uh, the puppet does look weird, though, because they tried to, like, make him look younger. Yeah. It, it looks weird. I don't even really remember what the puppet looked like. I know yeah. it was in the documentary, but we didn't see it working. Yeah, it it, it looks a little odd, um, but not as odd as... Like, the scene where Yoda is CG talking to Obi-Wan looks so weird. That That's whole... funny. It never... It didn't bother me ever. Oh, it... Oh, it looks. But I think at so that weird. point I was pretty checked out. Yeah. This is when we're also introduced to Mace Windu. Mace Windu, played yeah. by Samuel Jackson. And remember, uh, if you go back to our Star Wars episode, that was one of his first script had Mace Windu in like the first line and that he ever here's wrote. Here's the real question. At least of the first script. Anyway, go ahead. Here's the real question with the entire franchise that is Star Wars. Yes. 
How the heck have they not made a show about him? Everyone loves him. Yeah. And he dies in the third movie. He does. But he is so cool, and he has the purple lightsaber. Purple lightsaber requested by Samuel L. Jackson. That's so cool. Because he loves purple. I think his... Wait, is that why he's purple in glass? Yeah, he loves purple. Oh, that's cool. I think... I think... I th- I think that there's like he usually has something purple at some point well, in any of his movies. Purple represents royalty, and as we all know, Samuel Jackson is royalty. Yeah, he got an honorary Oscar this year. Yeah, they didn't televise it, but he did. They did mention it, but I think that no one really cared at that point because of other things that have transpired. What happened? Did something happen at the Oscars I this don't year? Know. Okay, um, so. Samuel L. is maybe the closest to a good performance, like a, a straight up good performance, because yeah. he's incapable of bad performances, yeah. even in bad movies. Yeah. But wouldn't you get a kick out of something more from him? Yeah. They give him more in the next two. I know, but I mean like a backstory. Oh, oh, because, yeah. Because we're obsessed with that right now, is well, what I'm saying. I do think that the Clone Wars show has a lot of Mace Windu. There you go. Okay. Um, I mean, we, we also have to realize that like now it feels like oh they could do live action shows of anything star wars but mandalorian was the first live action show they ever did Mm -hmm. so it's not unusual that they didn't do that but they did do the clone war show Mm -hmm. so um anyway and i wrote here movie grinds to a halt for like the sixth time yeah um and then i also wrote this it's certainly a choice uh, but it winds up being a lame one that the emperor legally got his power and was a politician. Oh my gosh, that was crazy. He's explaining to Queen Amidala that they she needs to go in front of all the people, I'm assuming, <laughs> of the galaxy. Yeah. Or, or this uh Including this government. the Guardians. Yes. Uh to for, to um suggest or to hold a vote of no confidence for the chancellor who is Terrence Stamp <laughs> who plays Terrence Stamp in this movie <laughs> uh therefore then uh, then through bureaucracy <laughs> and trying to get the swing votes uh to get the uh, palpatine elected as chancellor and by the end of the movie we get it yeah but at that time that's when she's like I got to go back to my planet that I don't even care about how it's yeah. going anymore but uh, do, do you agree with my point that it's kind of crazy that like the ultimate evil guy got his power legally he just was a politician uh, i think that's such a lame decision it's all lame it's like just i i wrote they should have just made him evil right off the bat he's just evil emperor yeah like just make him evil well we know that he's evil because he's acting he's being the emperor to those other dudes yeah i don't know i i but i just full-on evil but yeah. I mean, of course, he does have to seduce uh, uh, Anakin to the dark side, so there is that. Yeah. But we'll we'll ha- we'll see that next time when they go to the Cirque du Soleil scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they talk about the prophecy of the One. They mention that he could have been conceived by midi chlorians, uh, and Anakin misses his mother. So they're like, yeah, actually. You miss your mom, which means fear, and fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to Man, suffering. Man, they completely butchered this character because it. I do like, I do really like because we know who he will become. Are you talking Yoda or uh, Anakin? No, Anakin. Yeah, we know who that he's going to become the baddie of all baddies in this world. That like, 
that, that from an early age they're trying to like you know like you you have so much fear in you you need to blah 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 yeah and they just throw it all away yeah. when i think it could have been the coolest thing yeah one thing i mean i i have said for years that the prequels should have had nothing to do with darth vader yeah so that because now when you look at Darth Vader, like I have to just pretend like the prequels don't exist because thinking of Hayden Christensen makes me think that Darth Vader is lame. Yeah. Uh, but watching it again, I'm like, but I do like the idea of the tragedy of Darth Vader, a trilogy of the yes. tragedy. Yes. It just needed to be written by a better writer. Yeah. And directed by a better director. Yeah. But it's also this cusp of technology. So I... I, I'm I'm at this weird technology is one thing, story is another thing. I know, but I'm just at this weird thing where like I don't like this movie. But it is it's ultimately so fascinating and I do I do honestly believe there's a lot of artistic intention in this movie, more so than many blockbusters. I like this movie better than every Fast and Furious movie except for Fast Five and Furious Seven. Easy. No contest for me. And I feel like it's more artistic than all of those movies in, in a weird way, even though it's not as successful as five and seven. Mm -hmm. So it's just this weird, I mean, that's the George Lucas thing. That's so interesting. He's just like a contradiction in every way. It feels yeah. like, um, I just made uh, all of our fans that we've had have, have now left after that fast and furious. Yeah. Thing. Um, be careful what you wish for, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, midi-chlorians. Okay, then they go to the sacred Gungan place. Um, I think Yoda's a jerk in this movie, yeah. and I think he sucks in this movie, character-wise. Yeah. And it stinks because I think Yoda should always be a fun little trickster that we love. Yeah. And he's like, he's, I mean, I'll say it, and I'll put explicit, he's a dick in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they go to the sacred Gungan place. This is when we find out that there's been a decoy of the Amidala queen. Mm -hmm. um, and here was another thing I used to say. I used to say, you know what? Everyone uh, craps on this movie too much. And if they would have made this movie and there were no connection to Star Wars, like, like Star Wars didn't exist, they just made this movie, it would have blown everyone's mind. Yeah. But I watched it last night, and I thought to myself, you know what? If they made this movie and there was no connection, they never would have made a second one. Yeah. That's that's now what I think. Yeah. Um, Gungan Battlefield. The Gungans got to fight. They use weird balls that, like, electrocute. They're goo balls. They're electric goo balls. Is that really what they're called? Uh, I don't. I hope not. Okay. Um, <laughs> Me too. And and this is where his like okay I'm making uh, I'm making Jar Jar a a Looney Tunes uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know Buster Keaton character where he's accidentally like killing droids and he's stuff. he's made a general and he does not order people to do anything no bad general very bad general um, and then meanwhile you know uh, they're trying to shut down the big ship that controls the droids and we're kind of mirroring the Death Star thing. Anakin accidentally makes his way up there. It's supposed to be kind of funny and cute, and he blows it up. Now, meanwhile, the Gungan battle's going on. That's going on. It's all kind of like, okay, let's just maybe get this over mm -hmm. with. But there is some interesting good action. The effects are pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. But now we have arrived at the best scene in the movie, and that is the doors open up, 
Oh, and duh. we see yeah. Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does not speak a word. Yeah. Everyone leaves, and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are like, okay, here we go. And then John Williams comes in and he goes, and then you have choirs going, and it is breathtaking. Mm-hmm. The the choreogra- choreography is like it's a ruthless feeling. They're they're going hard at they're each other. They're going hard, and I think that this duel of the fates is so good mm-hmm. that it makes it worth it that this movie existed so we could see the scene. That's how good it is. I will not forget now, but I always forget that Qui Gon Jinn dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but. I think there's this crazy buildup of we've seen these three movies, and and the I do think the lightsaber fighting in five and six are pretty dang good. And remember, yeah, we commented yeah. especially on six, like it's really it's yeah. really good. But this is like the first time we've really seen how good it can be. Yes. And I'm not sure. I may change my mind, but I'm saying right now. Even though this is probably the worst, well, maybe it's not the worst Star Wars movie. We got two more tr- prequels to go. This is maybe the best lightsaber fight in any of the live action Star Wars things we've ever seen. Okay, you would know that more than I would. I think there's a beautiful simplicity in it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It is not dragged on forever. No, and the action's very clear. the The whole red shield thing is. Mm-hmm incredible such a great builder of tension mm-hmm. qui-gon like sitting there and praying basically mm-hmm. comes open then he gets killed but obi-wan's standing there he didn't make it through the shields in time and then obi-wan's over the edge he jumps up grabs a lightsaber h- hits him in the head cuts him in half and darth vader falls darth apart maul. darth maul falls apart down the cliff mm-hmm. down the hole that I mean that's and then that's like that's uh, cinema, baby. Obi Wan Kenobi becomes a Jedi. Yes, that's it's, his moment. It, that it's just like it, it's a breathtaking scene, mm-hmm. and I love it. Mm-hmm. The tension is great. It's like it's sort of it's so good. It's kind of like where have you been this I know. whole time? I know. Did someone else direct this sequence or something? Yeah, it's magnificent. Yeah. Um, and then of course taking notes. We've had three people who have fallen off of high things so far in the series, Mr. Boba Fett and the Emperor and Darth Maul, and three of those three characters will return, even though they clearly died. Darth Maul comes back in, in, a, in Solo. Yeah, but that's a prequel prequel. No. Right? It's not? Solo is in between three and four. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? Yeah, there's there's this whole storyline in the Clone Wars. It's like four or five episodes about Darth Maul surviving. And the thing is, those episodes are actually really good. And it's a cool story. Oh, you said Clone War episodes? Yeah. Okay. They're actually really good and cool, and it gets into the witches and all this stuff. But I do think it's silly that, like, because a character looks cool in Star Wars, they're not allowed to die. Yep. Um, But it would have been cool if Darth Maul maybe... No, you know what? He that should have been it. That should have been it. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe don't bring him into the live action. You know what I mean? Because mm. then it's a fun like okay, it's in Clone Wars, 
But now it's in the live action, and it's this weird scene in Solo, but then they didn't make more Solo movies. So for your main audience, it's kind of like, so he's alive? Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and they saved the day, right? Yes. I think that's it, right? Uh, yep. I think we I think we've said really everything we've needed to say. This was a fun episode. Uh-huh. I I am tired. I'm tired of of I'm I'm not tired. Let's keep talking about it. I don't think I can. Give us five stars on Apple, please, or whatever service you use. Um, and tell a friend. Send them a Star Wars episode, your favorite one so far. Tell two, but not, but no more. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, wi- you can have one review, but there must be two, and but no more than two associated with you. But then tell the person the other thing so yeah. that we can get a plethora of reviews and maybe get um, on iTunes' number one charting podcast. But only one chart, never two, or two charts, never more. There can only be two. See you next week for Attack of the Clones. May the Force be with you. Ah.